Hey everyone, today is Thursday the 28th of June 2018. This is Gap episode 425. I didn't have that written down properly, which is why I stuffed it up the first time. Uh, my name's Luke Laurie and also joining me this week is Steve Wright. How are you on, Steve? I'm good. And I'm I'm not even going to try to be Job angry. I'm just, I'm, I'm actually quite happy and pleasant and glad to be here. Again, two in a row. I know, right? I'm, I'm basically a regular now. Yeah, I think Job gave you like admin status on the podcast page. Oh, nice. That would be terrifying. <laughs> so I'm going to play around with that later. Yeah, you can break everything. <laughs> I'd fix it afterward. I'd have fun, but yeah, we'll see how we go. I'm sure I could find the uh, the theme song to chuck at the front of a, a podcast faster than he could, though. So I think I'll call this one like the E3 Hangover Part 2. Um, because we've still got, like, stuff to talk about from E3. Like, Grumpy Job last week didn't want to talk about video games. Um, so we've got, you've got a, a few here to still to get through. Yeah. Well, he wanted to talk about his video games. He didn't get to go, so yeah. I think that's why he was, he was Grumpy Job, to be honest. But yeah, I get that. It was, it was a really good E3 this year. I'm really glad I went. Hmm. Yeah, and I don't know if um, we said this last week, 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 but, like, I was really cynical about going and... Being like, oh, I just want to go just to see, like, what things have changed and and just to be grumpy about, like, oh, I don't need to go anymore. But now that I've been, I've been like, well, actually, that was pretty good. <laughs> considering. Yeah, well, it, was, it, was, it was about games this hmm. time instead of just being about, like, TV announcements or, like, being hung up on resolution or about, you know, like, tie-in things that, like, kind of revolve around the games. It was actually just about games. There wasn't any new hardware. It was like about games and experiences and like things like beyond good and evil and cyberpunk, like just showing you yeah. like how good games can be or will be kind of like, you know, a year or two or three or four or depending on how long cyberpunk is like a, a couple of years from now anyway. So yeah, it was just nice and hopeful and optimistic and I was surprised and like pleasantly surprised really. And uh, like a lot more hands-on as well, as opposed to just being like, hey, here's the thing we showed you at the conference, but we're just going to like let you sit in the dark and we'll play it again for you. Like less of that (laughs) for the most part. Yeah, there was like a couple of them. for Sony. Yeah, a couple of them. Um, Uh. But I think like out of my list, I had four of those, like maybe four or five of those where they had presentations, but it was... I didn't really have any where it was like, you're seeing the same thing again. And then they were like, okay, goodbye. <laughs> yeah. um, like Ghosts of Tsushima was close. They they ran through the same demo, um, which I guess, did I talk about that last week? Let me just, no, I didn't. Honestly, can't remember. Yeah, I've marked it all off. So I, I guess we can start with that. So that was like one of the only few demos that, that I saw a second time. Um, but with Ghosts, they basically, we had... Um, uh, Nate Fox, a Crave director, run us through the demo. Uh, maybe I did say that. I can't even remember anymore because I feel like we've talked about E3 stuff for about three weeks solid. Yeah, with so many people so Where, often. With yeah. so many people that I don't know what we talked. But I didn't mark it off here, so maybe we didn't. Um, anyway, so, like, having someone run you through that and be able to answer questions and talk about, like, what's going on, like, the backstory is a bit more interesting because you're not just watching uh, a trailer on stage without any context or like people explaining sort of what is happening here so those sort of presentations um are good when when you've got someone uh i guess narrating over the top of it and explaining things that are going on and uh mechanics in the game 
Whereas um, you spoke about this last week, you did The Last of Us 2 demo and it was like exactly the same as what um, they showed at the presentation. And it was didn't, a waste of a half an hour of my time. Yeah, didn't talk over the top of it, didn't explain anything, and you've got, like, <laughs> Neil Druckmann, like, going through this thing and not doing anything with it. It's, like, a really weird setup. Well, um, so, what what did you... I feel like we did talk about ghosts, but I can't remember. So, like, do a quick... Yeah. Like, what was what was the cool stuff that you got to learn on top of the, uh, the demo that we all got to see as part of the weird press briefing that Sony had? So they, I guess they talked about a little bit of the backstory saying that it's like setting the early 1200s. Um, you're, you're like playing this game. Well, actually the mission they showed us that was on stage was a side mission. It wasn't even part of a main story quest. So the whole like, um, climbing on top of that, uh, that, that structure and sort of doing that sneak attack on top of those, um, the other the other enemies that are in the room uh and then eventually leading on to this like fight under this tree with um all these leaves everywhere and then arrows coming in from over the top and setting on everything on fire like all that stuff is apparently side mission not even main story content so that might give you an idea of like the sort of thing they're going for and the style um Mm. some of the other things they talk about the first thing off the bat though just like (laughs) can anyone here tell us like what the number one question was that we got after we showed that demo. Um, and can you guess what that question might have been, Steve? Uh, no, no, I really can't. It's it's not about the guy who playing the instrument that was a white dude <laughs> dressed in like Japanese attire that people freaked out about, was it? No. Um, it well, was... Good. It was uh, all the characters were speaking English in that trailer. Um, and they we, they got a lot of questions whether or not the game would be in Japanese. Um, and yes, the answer is yes, it will be in Japanese. And for this entire demo, they had it in Japanese for us. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) you can actually, uh, they decided that day that they would preview the game entirely in Japanese for everybody. Um, the issue with that is they weren't prepared, um, (laughs) for that, that completely. So the entire, because they had like HUD elements switched off, um, it meant the subtitles were also switched off, but, We'd already been through that that demo and and all that sort of thing. So yes, there will be Japanese localized audio in the game if you want to play the game in Japanese. Because I don't know about you, but I've um I've been through like a couple Assassin's Creed games where I've played it in like Italian, um with yeah. subtitles on. Because you know it's it's immersive that way. Um, so yeah, I can. Because then you really feel like Ezio Auditore de Firenze. I get I get it, man. I like yeah. It. Yeah, so that was a cool little, like, tidbit that they sort of spoke about. Um, I guess the, it's entirely open world gameplay. One of the things that they didn't touch on, which I'm super disappointed with, and I'm guessing a lot of people are, is that we don't really understand how the combat is going to work in that game. Um, because, like, it, either it, it doesn't look like it's going to be, uh, like a button mashy hack and slash thing. It seemed to be quite, like, passive and, um, like doing a lot of blocks, sort of like one, two hit kills, um, sort of a system. And I guess the fear behind that is like how much, how easy does, is that going to be? Cause you can see sort of stances with the, the main character blocking a lot of, um, like sh- shots from a sword. But is it just a matter of you pressing a single button and holding it and blocking? Or is there a bit more to it? Like, are you selecting a direction where these sword, sword sort of slashes are coming from? Or are you just really just holding out a button? Um, 
Yeah, and they weren't answering any questions about combat at all. So that makes me a bit of a little bit hesitant about, um, like trying to pick pick about like how that's going to play out because it could really make or break the game <laughs> depending on which direction they go. Um, yeah. So yeah, and and that was literally they got. So I asked the first question about the combat, um, and he was like, he sort of gave me an answer, but said like we're not talking about it. But here's some. You know, here's a few things about it. Like, we want to try and make it hard and all this other stuff. Um, and then, like, the next three questions from European journalists were all about the combat as well. And he was like, we're not answering any of that stuff again. So, yeah, they, um, they're definitely staying clear of that sort of thing. Cause it seemed like when they did that stealth sort of jumping from the ceiling and taking out those guys, one of the things I noticed was that, like, he took out all of those guys in sort of one sweeping motion. So, there seems to be some sort of, like, focus, co- like, combo meter building up or, or something like that. Because it wasn't the same as what we saw, you know, t- two or three minutes earlier where he takes on those three guys. And um, that seems like a bit more, um, you know, like he's actually pressing buttons and doing things as opposed to, uh, like, joining these attacks and killing someone one after the other. Um so yeah, I'm, I'm sort of curious as to how that sort of thing works, but but otherwise, like not a lot different from the demo. Um, they sort of just went into a bit more detail of some of the things. Like they paused the game at one moment, and uh, during the first attack, actually, of where he sort of like slices the first person, um, and uh, yeah, it looked really cool. They sort of went into the details about like um, like what they're wearing and sort of like all the blood droplets that are like in midair that are like about to land on the ground. Um, it was a really cool feature that they were showing off. And it turns out that's actually going to be a, um, a part of the game. It's going to be like a photo mode in there, um, which is really cool. And they also pointed out that, um, uh, like while they had the game pause, there were things still moving in the background as well. So it wasn't like just a pause screen where you could move the camera around. You could see the grass sort of blowing in the wind and, um, you know, fabric on their clothes still moving and that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a bit more than a like, Hey, they poured the, pause the game and you move the camera around. So, um, that's, a, that's sort of something that like a lot of games are starting to do. With the whole like photo games too, yeah, yeah, Um, and it's cool, like because it seems to be very popular. Like, there's a lot of games where I'm playing, and I'm, you know, I'm like, that looks pretty. I'm gonna stop and take a picture of that, and I spend like the next ten minutes trying to set it all up properly and and (laughs) get it in focus and figure out like what saturation I'm gonna use and all that sort of shit. So it's always fun to to mess around with some of that stuff. So yeah, Um, so you'll forgive the the combat for being like two-dimensional if you have a really good photo mode yeah if i can take like black and white <laughs> photos then yeah of, let's do it of the droplets of blood well yeah it makes sense hmm. like completely <laughs> yeah um so it wasn't like a really long demo it was it was the same sort of snippet that we saw um on the stage at, at sony but we got a little bit more context about sort of what was happening and and that sort of thing um but otherwise it played out pretty similar so it's cool, at least that they are able to talk to you about it a little bit and then, like, answer questions or, like, try to answer questions at least. Like, the question I asked clearly didn't get answered. Um, but anyway, yeah, it, it's it's still exciting to sort of get a bit more detail about what's going on in the game. So, yeah. Um, I think this is the first E3 that I've gone to where I haven't, like, had a group interview to begin. Oh, I had one group interview, but it was, like, Shannon from Press Start hmm. and I about 
uh, beyond good and evil. And it was just like a time constraint thing. We just said we'd do that so we could all get out of there and, you know, not be around for eight years. But, um, I'm, I'm used to having weird group interviews with like 20 people in a room. Yeah. And there's like two or three Germans and all they do is talk about the polygons. How many polygons are in that new weapon and how many polygons are in yeah. this? And I, I didn't have that this year. I'm kind of sad because it's always like everyone else in the room just kind of looks at each other and kind of rolls their eyes. <laughs> and the developer like tries to answer it like nice and like genuinely. It's like, I, you know, we don't really count, but you know, like we're, we're trying to make everything as realistic as possible. And we're, you know, putting as much as, as we can into this and that and the other. It's just like such a waste of a question. Yeah. Anyway. I've, I've definitely um, been in those situations where I've had like weird questions being asked where you're like, what? <laughs> or like, and it did happen a couple of times, I think in, in like those behind closed doors things, it's like someone asks a question and then the next person asks exactly the same question. And it's not even the case of like the developer didn't answer the question properly. It's like the person just zoned out and they had this question in their mind and just decided to ask it regardless, you know, like what they had just turfed. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so yeah, um, that game looks sick. It looks really good. Go um, or my go. I don't know who, I don't know which games you've talked about. So I say one that I would like to talk about and I've already talked about it. Just uh, tell me off basically. Yeah. Pick another one. Uh, did we talk about Sekiro Shadows Die Twice? I don't know if we did. We might've talked no. about talking to, um, Miyazaki. Miyazaki, but yeah. I don't know if we actually talked about it. So I got to see it's it's you're probably angry at me because we didn't know what it was when we booked the appointments and the way that you know timings worked out. I got to see the behind closed doors for Sekiro. Yeah. And I'm sure that you would have appreciated it more than I would, Luke, so I'm very <laughs> sorry. Um because I am the shittest at a Dark Souls like game. Uh I think I'm probably the worst person on the planet in terms of trying <laughs> to play one of these games. But that's cool. I can appreciate them and I get why people like them. I just can't make my fingers do any of the things required to stay alive. Right, yeah. Um so it's weird. I was getting a lot of mixed messages from kind of looking at it because um it it wasn't uh, Miyazaki that was giving the presentation, it was another from software developer. So they were speaking in Japanese. Um and because they I'm sure they can speak, you know, probably like English as well as I can, but you know they want to make sure that they're super precise, so they want to speak in or in Japanese and you know say things exactly the way they want to, um, just so there's no kind of confusion. And they had a uh, an interpreter there, the same interpreter that was um, doing our interview, actually, yep. Luke. Yeah, uh, he's a really nice guy. But anyway, not the point. Um, so they were saying stuff and then kind of contradicting it almost. To, to the to a specific like a certain point so um as an example they're talking about the story of Sekiro and they're naming characters so you're playing as someone that they call the shinobi um who was in charge of um a character they call the young lord so the young lord gets captured and you're basically uh on a quest to go in and and retake this young lord and also you know like hunt down the people who have done it as part of this kidnapping, you lose uh, your left arm. So that's why it's replaced with this cool kind of fantasy-like uh, cybernetic arm that has a grappling hook. Yep. So from what they were describing, there seems to be a huge narrative arc that's kind of in, in this game. Um, and they were kind of alluding to the narrative being quite different from a normal From Software game. But then, you know, near the end of the, the session, it was kind of back to uh this is a from software game so it's you know like we've put some stuff in in the world and if you seek it out and want to piece it together cool yeah 
Um, so I'm not, I think there'll be more story than we're used to, but I don't think there's going to be quite as much story as I was perhaps expecting. Yeah, I think when we um, spoke to him uh, in the interview, he said they were going to sort of do like a setup. It'll it'll have more story around like the characters and that sort of thing. But otherwise, it'll be very uh, like vague, <laughs> very, very souls born like. Yeah. Yeah. So um, they confirmed a whole bunch of stuff that's kind of little tidbitty stuff. So um, it's a single player game without online or microtransactions which is probably what we expect from a from software game for the most part. Uh, but there's no kind of multiplayer-esque functionality kind of jumping, in, jumping into people's worlds and right. okay. mucking about. Um, so it's set in late 1500s Japan uh, in a period in Japan where um, there was a lot of war happening, like warring states. Uh, mm. They called it the warring states period, as a matter of fact. Um, so it's kind of based in that time period um, but it's not historical, so it's not going to be kind of tying into things like an Assassin's Creed game could. Um, but it's going to be taking things inspired from the period and kind of forming its own kind of world around it. So there's like a gigantic castle that they're like, this is reminiscent of a castle of the time, but yeah. we probably made it like four times as big um, to, you know, exaggerate it and make it crazy. Yeah, like, like I guess yeah. like Bloodborne, right? Where it had this like gothic theme to it. They just took drew inspiration from that. Yeah. So it's weird that they say that and then say it's set in 1500s Japan. So like you might as well just set it somewhere entirely <laughs> different. But I guess it means they can, you know, they can do what they want. But, you know, yeah. because it's set in Japan, like you kind of expect that the Shinobi is like a samurai-esque character or whatever the equivalent is for that time period. So you kind of, they can cut some corners, I guess, because you'll identify things and kind of know what to expect from the look of the castle or, you know, like the look of a, an enemy or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, <clears throat> as you would expect from the grappling hook, there's a huge emphasis on, emphasis on verticality, but that's, I guess, true in, in From Software games to begin with. Um, but this kind of makes it easier to traverse up and down, um, and they've specifically designed the levels for you to obviously be able to do that. The grappling hook is a huge component of, of so, yeah. um, with that prosthetic that's kind of used to um, move around the map in combat, uh, as well as just kind of in general, uh, and you'll also have a katana, obviously, in your other hand. So, you know, fight with a katana, kind of dodge and evade with uh, assistance from the prosthetic and also just from dodging around and stuff. Uh, there's a dedicated jump button, and I can't remember if that's important or not. You could tell me if that's something that's not in a, a From Software game, Luke. Um yeah, a little bit. Well, like, there's always been a jump button, but it was kind of tied to, I think, the same as, like, sprint. <laughs> so, ah, well, now it's like dedicated, that. Luke. Yeah. Now it's dedicated. Yeah. Um, and when we were looking at combat, it looked very from software-like, and it's it's not, like, gigantic um, waves of enemies coming at you. It's kind of, you know, the slow, methodical, a couple at a time, hmm. posturing and... and figuring out what you're going to do. Um, there was one circumstance where there was like a gigantic boss dude and um, they used stealth to kind of get above um, the, the boss type character and kind of stealth take him out, which kind of helped to even the odds because then it was just you and some lower level plebs. Yeah. Um, and the combat's all about um, posture. So if you're blocking um, and you're kind of just holding the block button down and you're not really paying attention to timing and stuff, you'll lose posture and that opens you up for attack. Um, but if, you know, you're blocking at the right time, your enemy loses some of their posture 
and you're basically just trying to wear the person down so you can start to land blows. Right. Um, so that's like a replacement for stamina then? I would say so, yes. Yeah. So it seems to work in exactly the same way, but they call it posture. Yeah. Um, there's, it was weird because it was looking a little, they were doing a really good job in the combat. So <laughs> I, I think I would probably have died about a million times. Um, but they got to the end and were kind of showing the shadows die twice element of the game. So when you die, it's not necessarily a game over. You've died. Go back to whatever checkpoint you had. Um, you can respawn. Uh, and they didn't, really they kind of dodged questions around that so they said it's not and you can't always respawn it's not like a kind of get out of jail free card it's very um limited in how you'll be able to kind of earn the ability to do that and then how you'll use it but they wouldn't explain more than that yeah so i was initially kind of thinking it's like a, a dark souls game for me where the penalty for death isn't as as high and you know you get it's a little bit softer and easier to kind of get through the game. You know, you die. It's not as big of a deal as, as in other from software games, but it seems like it's still going to be pretty hard. <laughs> um, yeah. Like from what I was hearing, it's one of their hardest games. Yeah. So that's, I, got, I was going to just say that, like from what I was he- hearing from people is that they're trying to make this the hardest. Like, I, I think that's a f- fact for all of their games. Every time they make a new one. Y- yeah. Yeah. They, they try and make it harder. Um, yeah, because like even to the point where, and I wrote this in my um my like Dark Souls three review for Survivor, um, like playing that game, you feel like you know the mechanics and and like how this series plays out, but uh, like the amount of times I died in that game was ridiculous. Um, and then even even going back to just a couple of months ago, I went and played, I went and replayed some of Dark Souls one, and that that was super easy. Like, there's a huge difference. Um, where people sort of look at those games and say, well, you know, this is the first game that I played in the series and it was really hard and, and being able to go back to it and see sort of how they've progressed, like the difficulty, um, even though like a lot of the mechanics sort of stay the same. Um, yeah, it sort of speaks out to how hard <laughs> like these games are exactly. And so I'm curious to see what they do for this next one. Um, cause you tried, you tried, uh, Bloodborne, right? I did. And that was, that was, <laughs> really bad yeah. That, so the thing with that one is it's, uh, they don't give you like a shield or anything like that. So it's really hard to parry. Um, cause you've got this gun, right? And you're supposed to time it to the right sort of moment where they attack you. And then I think you use the gun to sort of stun them. Um, and me coming from a Dark Souls background, I'm a, I'm a sword and shield dude. So I'm always, I'm always in that pose of, of if something's going to attack me, I'll take, the hit, but at least it's not going to do any damage because it's draining my stamina instead. Um, and so, yeah, like Bloodborne was like a huge step up of the difficulty because I was, I was completely out of my comfort zone. Um, so like I can understand how like a lot of people found that game super hard because they've just thrown you in and they're like, all right, fucking try and beat this game now without a shield. Um, which made it extremely hard, but well, this is the same yeah. thing. You just have a grappling hook instead of. A gun, really. Um, right. It's it's so they were saying in in the combat, in terms of combat, you know, you can't summon others, so you can't, you know, like team up to take people down. Yep. Um, but they're building in other ways to gain advantages. So as an example, they had a giant kind of ogre, um, and they didn't actually use that advantage, but they said, oh, that ogre is specifically scared of fire. So if you, you know, 
knock this over or do something you know that will generate a flame in front of him it will kind of throw him off his game and you can take him out a bit easier so like i don't know how that's really going to work i'm probably not going to get to that ogre to be honest <laughs> where i play look i think but, uh, you should you should uh you. shouldn't doubt yourselves too much <laughs> <laughs> i'll go try playing dark souls and see if i do any better but uh i'm not I'm not optimistic. It, despite being awful at these games, it looks like I, I do understand why people like from software stuff. And it looks like another one of these games that's going to be frustrating and engaging and amazing in one uh, swoop. So I think it's if you're a fan of, uh, I guess, the genre, even not even the genre, if you're a fan of from software stuff, because they basically made that genre, um, this could be the Dark Souls of of multi-platform games that aren't already dark souls yeah so that's that's good it it looks cool and um from what we were talking about with um miyazaki like from software is getting full creative you know license on this they can do what they want that's why they partner with activision they've kind of got something in mind and they're looking at fulfilling that and yeah it looks like a good thing so yeah, man, I'm excited to check it out. Um, I'm feeling like it'll be early next year. They haven't announced anything, right, for a release date, but... Um, I can't remember. I don't think they have. They they tend to go, like, March, uh, around March. I think... I don't think I put a release date in. I'm just going to check a, a, a post quick, but I don't... No, you know what? We just said 2019. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel... Yeah, I feel like March. Although that, that area is getting quite busy these days, so maybe... Okay. Maybe they don't do that, but yeah, generally they I think just they should double down. They should they should from software and just go for the twenty second of February, like every other game. Let's see how they go. <laughs> yeah, watch everyone else move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> sorry. Um, cool. Yeah, man, that sounds sounds awesome. I wouldn't like count yourself out on those games. I was. I remember the oh, first time so bad. I played um, Dark Souls one. I, I think it was. I think Namco sent sent copies out, and I've got like a um, a, a, it's a media kit or something like that. And I remember playing that game, and I played it for about an hour or two, and I was like, "Fuck this game! This game is fucking stupid! I don't have time for this bullshit!" and put it away. <laughs> and I never <laughs> went back to it um, until Dark Souls Two came out. There was all this hype around it, and um, and like this is back when uh, you know. Uh, like Job was right into it. Um, Heath was into it on the show. Um, Jung was like right into it. And so I had this like, oh, okay, I've got to play this game. Um, and, and yeah, man, I, I started playing that. I was like, I'll give it another go. And I, I started playing it and yeah, it completely blew me away of how good that game is. Um, and then the experience of it's a, it's a unique game because you're supposed to sort of play it with other people as well. You're supposed to talk about your experiences and how you solved problems and it's like this community this community game um so that experience of like playing dark souls 2 to playing dark souls 3 was even completely different for me again because going into dark souls 3 that nobody had that game i I, we got early code for it like super early code i think we had it like a month before release um no or, or like three weeks, something that's usually pretty rare. And so I couldn't look up guides to be like, how do I beat this boss? Or how do I get past this thing on this level? Like we just had to play it and sort of rely on, I think there was two other people playing at the same time. I think it was Job um, and and Paul. Of Probably. Oh, okay. Was playing Not even Jung. 
I can't remember if Jung was playing as well. No, Jung Jung was doing uh he was doing content for for Namco at that stage. Um like tips and that sort of thing. Um, oh, so yeah. maybe he was doing it, but I don't think he didn't re- any review content because he was getting paid by them basically. Um, the weirdest thing about E3 is that like Activision knew the Activision like really came through for us in a lot of big ways, and I think it might have been the aforementioned E3 judge thing that we were talking about last week. But um, <laughs> yeah, Jung is like the from software guy. Like if I have to think of anybody in Australia that would you know like really want to see a new from software game, it would be him. And he didn't get to see it, and yeah. he was trying really hard, which is it just kind of astounds me. But whatever. Yeah, yeah, we got to see it, so we told him about it. He can live vicariously through us. Perfect. Yeah. yeah, man. So you never know; it might just click with you one day. You'll get it and be like, oh, "Okay, yeah, cool. I understand now." Might <laughs> when, when you've actually got some time to sit down and play, like me, where I was like, "No, I don't have time for this bullshit. I'm out." <laughs> I pl- I literally played about eight hours of Bloodborne, but it was about a normal person's first twenty minutes of the game, and I wrote this like gigantic review like just about that time and it was very obvious and i think i point blank said i can't play this game i didn't do very well i gave it a seven and a half i'm like it's really good for people who like this stuff i'm awful at it it's a new franchise to me the marketing didn't really make it seem like a dark soulsy type game yeah and that was kind of in that drought where there wasn't a lot of stuff on ps4 so like people might have been Looking for something. You know, buying it, thinking it was God of War or something. Yeah. So, like, I thought I was pretty critical. The people just, like, chewed me a new one. So, yeah. I won't be reviewing uh, Sekiro. Just <laughs> in case anybody's wondering. There you go. All good. Um, all right, should we move on? I'll throw something out there, um, which sure. we both saw. Uh, D- the Division 2. Super good. Yeah, man. Super uh, excited. What are your thoughts on the original? Like... Were you a fan? Um, I, so I'm a huge Destiny guy. I liked that it was a like a Tom Clancy's Destiny, basically. Yeah. Um, but it kind of boiled down to... And like they've, they've... Just like most games of this kind of type, you know, Ubisoft has, has fixed it. Massive has fixed what it originally launched and what, you know, we have in different things. Yeah. But, you know, the enemies were super bullet. The customization wasn't kind of as, as robust as I was hoping for. So it was like something that I enjoyed, but I didn't stick around for very long. And it's one of those games where none of my friends did either. So I don't play it as much as I would like to, just because I don't like playing with randoms and it's too hard to find games. But like it had potential and promise, and it seems like the Division 2 is avoiding like the Destiny 2 problem of completely breaking itself after you know finding... A formula that works so this is like new and improved vision and if we get people to play it people are going to want to keep playing it and continue playing it so you can get into groups and play as groups and get into raids and like actually yeah. get the most out of it so it just looks it and it looks like there's more diversity uh in washington than manhattan manhattan is mm. just you know like buildings street and after streets street after street after street so they've built in um six four or six, I think it's six, like, separate biomes, so very separate kind of areas from one another. Um, there's, you know, like, historical buildings. There's just, like, lush um, green areas. There's um, residential. There's commercial. So there's all these kind of, like, different flavors, so you're not just feeling like you're 
constantly in the same place, constantly doing the same stuff. So yeah, yeah. What did you what did you get to see of the division? So I was just for disclosure, I was there with Ubisoft, so I had like three hours with the division and three hours with um, Odyssey and stuff. So I probably got to see more than you. But what did you get to do? Yeah, um, so I basically got to play the mission that they showed on the um, the main stage, sort of like that uh, that plane wreck fighting around that control um, point yeah so this was actually um not like a main mission or a, a side mission in the game it was kind of like a random sort of event that you would come across um while you're out there um i guess searching and and sort of exploring the environment uh and yeah so yeah control point so what happens is once you complete this it sort of gives you more um resources right and allows you to to build up and do things with them later on in the game. Um, yeah, it's it's like a trade off. Um, yeah. So like when when you go and can like to take control of this control point, which is a place like it's a public event that's basically under control by a an opposing faction. Yeah. In the world, so like I I don't think they actually named any of the factions, but like you know like the Rikers Island people as an example in um the original division. It, once you take over the point you haven't finished the event. You have to kind of go through the world in near proximity to the point and find resources hmm. to give to an NPC. And right. then you've taken it over and then you get, you know, their assistance from there. So it's like, you have to kind of give a little to get a little, which is makes sense. Really. It kind of fits with, you know, the whole world of the division too. So it's, you know, like everybody's just trying to survive. Basically. It's not like there's resources just kind of, freely flowing from every point you have to kind of decide what you want to give away what you keep for yourself and you know like how you work with other groups to kind of make things easier for yourself in the long run so there's that kind of cool survival element to it that's probably not going to be like super super deep but um it gives some flavor to things that I think was kind of lacking in the division itself. Yeah, because I think the first one had those uh, like weapon parts and, and gadgets that you'd use to craft either mods or upgrade weapons and that sort of thing. So I think it's probably a replacement for that. Yeah. Question mark. <laughs> not not hundred percent sure, but that's probably what I'd guess. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. It seemed like I enjoyed the first one. I definitely had flaws, but along like the next two years, they really fixed a lot of problems with it. Even um, they announced that one point eight update, and we our, our crew went back and started playing a bunch of it. And yeah, we, we had fun with it. They had a lot of new modes in there. Um, I loved the horde mode that they put in. It was really unique and interesting. Um, I'm not sure if you ever had a chance to see that, but it was cool. I don't think I did. It's basically like you start off in this, like the, the specific mission we did, you start off in this small room and it's like wave based enemies. You kill them and you get like a currency and then you can use that currency to open the door. Um, and then it takes you out into this like wider open area and then you start doing more wave based stuff. And then there are things throughout the environment, like you can build turrets or radars and, uh, open up, uh, weapon lockers and caches to get more items. But it's basically like spending currency to progress through the level and upgrade certain things. So like, oh, I can go this way down this path and open these crates and maybe that's got stuff in it, in it. Or I can open this giant door and it'll lead me to another area of the map. And like, as you're doing this stuff, the waves are getting harder and harder, but you're sort of like, where do I spend my points at? Um, so it was like a really interesting way of doing the horde based, 
um, like that mode. Whereas, like in Gears of War, it was sort of this: you'd have an area and you'd build your reinforcements and whatnot. And that's about it. You'd kind of be in the same place all the time. This is trying yeah. to branch it out a little bit. So yeah, it was an interesting take, and I had a lot of fun when we we played that. So if that sort of stuff is brought across. Like that sort of mindset of having more activities to do as opposed to going and finding broken drones or mobile phones in the ground. Um, <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. The thing I kind of like is like, obviously, like they've, they've tried a whole bunch of stuff. They know it works, what doesn't work. It's not one of these Ubisoft games now that, you know, they're promising the world. Like, you know, they might have with the original division and, you know, your friend can be on a tablet and just control a drone if they want to. Um, like it's, you know, it's like a very refined formula and it seems like they are actually listening to what people liked and not trying yeah. to reinvent the wheel. And that was, you know, like destiny two came out and they, I don't know what they decided they needed to do to make it better, but they just broke it. Yeah. Like completely broke it. So I think, they're they're they've probably been watching that happen to Destiny, and they're kind of aware, you know, like if it isn't broken, don't fix it. But like, what can we do to make it feel like more than just DLC? And I think like Washington itself and all these kind of new events and stuff keeps the flavor of the division, but also gives it, you know, like it's it's a sequel for a reason. It's not just extra stuff, yep. you know, plus point one point eight. So which is good. Um, the, they're having new eight player raids, which. Yeah, it interests cool. me and also terrifies me because I can't imagine finding seven people to play a video game with at the same time right now because it's hard enough finding like four people to do that with uh, with most of the games that I play. Yeah, just because everyone's so busy and doing so much stuff. But like, they're not. I asked if we had some sort of LFG type things that we could use to find people specifically for an eight player raid, and they kind of said, "Nah, like." out of the dark zone and find people to play with and <laughs> work it out but um i don't know how well that's gonna work but i guess you can give it a go and see how see how it works um yeah something that i really liked was um the signature weapon idea so once you hit level 30 um which is the cap for at least the division two <clears throat> vanilla mm-hmm. um you unlock um a signature weapon um depending on your speciality so i was using this really cool, like, kind of chem grenade launcher, which doesn't doesn't do anything on its own, but it kind of like shoots down this grenade that has like an AOE type thing, um, and you can kind of see it as a team. And if you like shoot at it with basically any weapon, from what I gathered, it um, activates this kind of chem thing, and it either like puts out a smoke cloud or something, or it like just fully sets people on fire mm-hmm. and it's just really fun as a team to kind of work together and use your different abilities and your weapons to just like combo people basically. Yeah. So it's all, it's all about working together and kind of finding your niche. And, um, <laughs> it was really bad. It was for, for Aussie journalists. We were all trying together and one of us, I mean, uh, Royce Wilson just didn't want to have any bar of it. So Shannon <laughs> Grixty and, uh, Steve Farrelly and I were, trying to work as a team and Royce basically with Roy Jenkins again, just running straight in, getting shot at, getting downed. We, you know, tried to work as a unit to go and save them, but we just ended up getting killed in the process. It was a nightmare. Um, so enemies feel far less bullet spongy um, and like headshots really matter. Um, 
but you know boss enemies take a lot of shots to put down and if you're you know, yeah. you know like working properly you're gonna find yourself dying a lot more than than you would prob- probably like so so it's, yeah it's, we were getting in behind them and shooting like the weak point and then nice. hey now they're stunned and all that sort of thing um i'm not sure if you guys are doing any of that but it's i was just headshotting like <laughs> nobody's business i was super impressed with my skills yeah um, but I didn't get I didn't get the uh, obligatory like you're the best at this game that we've seen so far at E3. I didn't get that, which is disappointing. So I was really hoping for one of those. Yeah, I, I did. I did get that a couple that. times. <laughs> oh, I got a couple. I got that a couple times this year. I'm like, I used to believe that, but I know you're just saying that to me better. But it's appreciated. Thanks yeah. for that. Thanks for making <laughs> you feel good. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm the best. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it looks good. It looks really good. I'm excited for it. I'm, I'm hoping they have sorted out a bunch of problems. Um, I know they're not going to fix some of the complaints that a lot of people talk about, like it feels too bullet spongy and that sort of thing. But I, I don't see how you kind of do an RPG um, without yeah, having... Yeah. Yeah, because that's the whole point of like RPGs, right? It, it is leveling up your, your gear and getting to a point where... Um, you know that you're doing damage and you can see the numbers coming off them more if you were just one-shotting everything that's not really fun either (laughs) yeah oh but just like the original division i remember just like laying into some guy shooting him in the head and like just he was barely barely being damaged and like we were similar levels and it just didn't feel didn't feel right and well especially after so much like destiny behind me it just kind of felt like i should be doing more against this guy he's not even like he's not armored it's like why does he have like superhuman like a superhuman skeletal system that's you know like bouncing bullets off his skull yeah so this feels at least it feels realistic as a tom clancy game but also like you know it's not like you're gonna put people down with one bullet to the head but at least it's making you feel like you're still doing something as you're you're still doing playing through yeah 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 it's cool i'm keen for it Definitely. Is this a good time to uh, to move towards Destiny Two? Since I've said Destiny Two about fifteen times so far. <laughs> sure thing. You can talk about Destiny. All right. So I got to play um, the first story mission of the new or the upcoming, I should say, Forsaken um, expansion, and then we got to play through uh, Gambit, which is the new PvP VE um, mode that they are going to introduce at the same time. So I guess with the story mission, it was a basic standard story mission. Um, the weird thing is um, I'm convinced that... So so before I get into that, I guess the, the big campaign when they were launching or announcing Forsaken was that um, they're going to kill Cade Six, who's voiced by Nathan Fillion. And kind of in like true marketing campaign, I think people were like, oh, they're not going to kill him. Like it's Nathan Fillion. He's fine. They'll find a way to bring him back. Um, but playing through the first story mission, I put down my controller for a bit and just started listening because I couldn't get, I couldn't shake the feeling something was off. And I finally figured out that the voice of Cade in this mission was someone doing a Nathan Fillion impression, but it wasn't Nathan Fillion. Hmm. And I, so I'm 100% convinced it's not Nathan Fillion. And I'm equally as convinced, maybe 99% convinced, that the voice was actually Nolan North doing a Nathan Fillion impression. So I guess that could mean to me one of two things, that 
you know, maybe Nathan Fillion's no longer available to do Destiny stuff, so they're killing him off, so they don't have to worry about the voice problem. Uh, or two, they've, you know, put in someone else's voice just to try to confuse people and throw people off and build more mystery around the fact that maybe Nathan Fillion and Cade Six are actually dying. I don't know. Is it, like, when does this come out? Uh, in September, I believe. Yeah, so it's not like a standing voice at the moment, is it? Well, so I asked Bungie, we had an interview and I asked them, I'm like, that's not Nathan Fillion's voice. And they're like, oh, we're not talking about casting at this time. And I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure that's Melvin North's voice. So like, well, is it? We don't know. What, what, what do you mean? So I feel like if it was just a placeholder voice, they would have told me. I feel like if it was Nathan Fillion, they would have told me. So I'm kind of thinking it, you know, like, I think I'm right. And Nolan North's just replacing Nathan Fillion for this one little act that they couldn't get him back for. And then they're killing him off, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. But it could just be that they're trying to pull a fast one on people, get people talking about it. I don't know. So um, I've kind of gone to Activision and said, here's my theory. Here's what I've written. As soon as anything can be confirmed, if people want to talk about it, I'd love to have a chat again with yeah. guys and just kind of, you know figure out what's happened here um so the only other thing in kind of that's notable with the story is that this is like the big change to destiny where they're giving you a whole bunch of different options for weapons um so i played with a shotgun as a primary weapon which was really neat um i used a bow and arrow as my special weapon uh and i don't think i had a lot of different power weapon options but the bow and arrow is really really cool it feels like a bow and arrow does um in any kind of game where you use a bow and arrow. Um, but I guess the thing it, with it being in destiny is that it has kind of like a sniper rifle, a sniper rifle feel, but it's faster than using a sniper rifle, but it's slower than using a normal weapon because you still have to, you know, hold the right trigger to pull the yeah. arrow back. So when you release it, you know, you get some power on it. Um, I like the idea of it. I'm really confused about how it's going to work in the mix and how they're going to work in balancing that because mm-hmm. you know using the slower kind of secondary weapon against waves of enemies in like you know a pvp environment seems like it's gonna something's gonna break like you won't be able to fire off enough shots to be effective but i guess the answer to that is don't use it in, in pvp use it in pve and you know be mindful of what you do um there's not much else story-wise. Um, Cade 6 is apparently dead, so you get to go to the reef and figure stuff out. So that's kind of cool. Um, Gambit was way more interesting uh, in terms of, of what it means. So it's a PvPVE um, scenario. You're in two teams of four, because apparently Bungie still doesn't like putting teams of six versus teams of six, as people <laughs> have asked for, but whatever. Mm. Um, you spawn in two separate maps, essentially. So you can't really go and like shoot the other team uh, until you meet sp- specific conditions. Um, so it's entirely kind of PVE uh, at that point. You're shooting all these ads. Like in Supremacy, any ad that you shoot drops something called a moat, and you have to collect moats um, to kind of progress. You have this big structure in the middle of the map that's called a bank, uh, and you have to go and bank your moats. Um, and the objective, the eventual objective is to get to 75 moats, which will um, spawn this gigantic boss character. And then the four of you have to take out the boss before the other team does the same thing. And whoever, you know, kills their big boss first wins. But as you're kind of playing and collecting moats, um, you can hold up to 15 at a time, 
when you bank five or ten moats, you kind of spawn um, low-level enemies on your other on the other team's map, and if that enemy is in play, it closes their bank. So they have to not only not bank or collect these moats, they have to kill those um, guardian characters to the to activate the bank again, so they can keep banking their own moats and try to beat you. Once you get to 25 and 50 and 75 moats, um, you open up this like portal on your map, mm-hmm. and that means you can send your player, one of your players, onto the other team's map and start killing them, and you know preventing them from collecting moats, preventing them from you know shooting at their own boss, and basically just trying to cause chaos on their side. Yeah, right. So it takes a, a couple rounds to kind of get used to what's going on and like developing a proper strategy. Um, but it's really fun. And, and basically because there's so much to do in different, you know, strategies, you know, you can really decide what you want to do at a person and as a team. So if you have someone that's like absolutely great at, you know, crucible PVP kind of stuff, um, you know, that person's the one that goes to the portal and tries to wreck the other team. If you're more, you know, like ad control, great, you know, lay into all these ads and cause them to drop moats. And, you know, if someone's really bad in general, they can be the one the moats and just banking them, you know, without any worry. So it seems like there's a lot of different ways to approach a game and you can have like a, a team composition that kind of suits various strategies. So it seems like the meta is going to be crazy for this for a while until people figure out exactly what to do and how to do it the best. But that's kind of what has me really excited for it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and all the other Destiny changes basically bring it back in line with how Destiny 1 <laughs> finished, which, you know, maybe Bungie should have just left Destiny 2 more like that when they launched it rather than trying to make all these crazy changes and ending up changing them all back, but whatever. Um, I hope it's enough to kind of bring people because it's really fun, and I've been playing a lot of Destiny 2 since I'm just kind of being that excited for what's to come. Um and, and like I said before, it's hard to find friends to do stuff with as like big groups. So I kind of hope it. It looks like it's good. It looks like it's kind of everything people have been asking for. So I hope it's enough to actually. So that, to keep that's like the, paid content, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, it's weird. So as much as they're trying to fix Destiny Two, they're also breaking Destiny Two. So they put out these first two DLC releases. They cost money. They were kind of garbage. Hmm. Bungie's like, we'll fix it. Here's this be- next big content drop. People are like, yeah, okay, cool. Like, we get it. It's like maybe the size of Rise of Iron. It's supposed to be this game-changing thing. Yeah, I get that we have to pay money. But then Bungie's also like, oh, we're going to fix it also by introducing a season pass. So you can buy three new additional pieces of content in the future. We'll talk about them later. So it's like, just, no, just take one step forward and then just plant your feet and stop kind of like going a little bit backward with every announcement that you make. So... My advice is buy Forsaken. Don't buy the season pass. See what's actually in it first. Make Bungie actually work for uh, for your money. Yeah, because they kind of need to. Awesome. I uh, I feel like I read on some site the other day about that um, the voice acting thing. I'm not sure which site it was though. Bradaku is that what it's called? Uh, Manaku. Something like that. Where they uh they quoted someone. They could yeah they quoted some other site. <laughs> yeah someone no they called they, it was it was a link back to me but it was they said someone said this like, oh thanks guys <laughs> i don't even get like name recognition not even like first name recognition i just get someone said this I'm like oh thanks mate but anyway yeah you heard it here first i listen to people's voices
But then other people on Reddit were like, oh, but that My Name is Bife guy said this was like the best thing ever. He was also flown by Activision to attend and didn't recognize the voice change. It's like, well, is it maybe because he's a guy on YouTube and was just talking about how good the game is? Because yeah. he was flown for the express purpose of seeing Destiny. But anyway, Jaded Journalist. Hmm. I feel like that's not going to be a game I ever get back into. Um, <clears throat> not unless they change like a bunch of things in it. <laughs> I feel like Something I've given like. enough chances. <laughs> yeah, there's that. I, I kind of just like going in. It's like that mindless kind of Halo-y, headshot-y fun that I just kind of like doing. Yeah. When I have nothing else to do. And my husband really likes it as well. So he doesn't play a lot of video games, especially that like we can play together. So it's kind of just fun to jump in, he and I, and do some patrols or whatever. And wasting time. Right. Cool. Um, all right. Should we move on to something else? Yeah. Here uh, go. I don't have anything lined up. Um, uh, <laughs> do we do we talk about Forza Horizon last week? It doesn't. I was going like to suggest it. that. Uh, no, I don't think we did. Yeah, I haven't ticked it. Um, Dynamic seasons, Luke. Dynamic seasons. Yeah, that is like so weird. So they were so during the press conference for Xbox. Every once in a while, this like leaf would fall pa- past us, and I'm like, "What is going on? What are all these leaves doing?" Just randomly, and it wasn't until they announced Forza they were like, "It's got season." Here's a bunch of fucking leaves in the audience. Um, That's really weird. And then they started falling down for quite a while, even like twenty minutes after this thing had stopped. Like you'd see a random leaf just fly past you for some. It, oh like, no, that's stuck that up meant- there. Dynamic Seasons and Gears 5. That, that was confirmation for other games. Ah, okay. Everything else that yeah. was leading up to that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like, they, they went into this big spiel about how it would affect the gameplay. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, I understand, like, winter's the obvious one, right? Where shit is iced up and you're sliding all over the place because uh, because that's the way tires and ice works, like, unless you've got chains or whatnot. Like, I understand that part, but I don't get the difference between that, between, like, a summer... A spring and an autumn like how did how did those sort of things affect the gameplay uh, apart from like the visual look of the game did you get I any was, confirmation about that i did kind of so i was confused by that as well so they were like you know like if lake freezes and that means you can drive to this island that you can't get to normally it's like yeah okay well that just means ice like i understand how ice works um but i was speaking to ralph fulton i think yeah. at uh playground games um, and I was kind of like, like, what does that actually mean, dude? Like, does that mean in summer the, you know, the road is warmer, so it'll warm your tires? Like, are we talking like a Forza Motorsport kind of yeah. simulation kind of going on here? And he's like, yeah, actually, yes. So this is the first time that Playground Games and the Horizon franchise is using that kind of series of data sets from motorsport they've always have access had access to it but they Mm -hmm. haven't used it until now so he's like that's that's a really good example in summer the the road is warmer your tires are warmer they'll heat up more you know being you know with friction causing you know the heat to rise on top of that so your car will handle differently because of that like i don't i don't understand the physics of this well enough to really understand how that affects driving um but the takeaway is that kind of stuff that you're maybe not aware of happening in, in the simulation in Horizon, or sorry, in Forza Motorsport is now going to be a part of Forza Horizon as mm-hmm. well. So I think more people will realize the aesthetic change <laughs> as compared to 
that type of change, but that is now part of the mix. I don't know if it's really going to change gameplay too much, and I hope it doesn't, because the thing I like about Horizon is that I can basically just hold down the gas and just do stupid things. Yeah, yeah. And if it becomes more of a like a, a hard simulation, I'm not really looking for that. So we'll see. Um, there was something else I wanted to say about that, but I can't remember what it was. So I had it behind closed doors with this one as well. So yep. do you want to talk more and I'll fill in the gap so I can answer questions that you have? It's probably a good way to do it. Yeah, um, so I basically played it at the um, the Xbox showcase. Um, I played a couple of races. Uh, it's super pretty. Like, off the bat, that game is, I think they do the best racing games, hands down. Um, 60 frames. Uh, at least I think it was 60 frames. I usually do that, right? Yeah, yeah. no, it is. It is. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the spectacle as well. So yeah. the, the demo was each of the different seasons. Um, so you played four little mini races. Um, I, I can't remember which season it was. I think it was spring, and like it's a stupid spectacle. So you're it's you're in a car, you're racing against five motorcycles, and they all just have like different colored smoke trails, like just spewing out the back of their motorcycles. Yeah. So it's like fast paced and intense. And you're whipping around corners, and it's that Forza Horizon showcase thing. So even if you're driving kind of crappily, like they manage to code it so the motorcycles are always kind of around you, buzzing around to make you feel like you're a rock star. Yeah. And it's just fun. Like, it's just really fun. Yeah, I think that's just their kind of, their way of showing off the tech, right? Because I had that that uh, same sort of moment where they're always sort of just on your tail and then you get to the end of the race and you jump off this giant ramp and the two motorcycles sort of cross in between in front of you and there's smoke everywhere. That looks sick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, I understand what you mean by, like, the the sort of catch-up system that they've got going on. But but hopefully that's just not part of the whole game. It was just, like, a, a spectacle moment. Um, yeah, oh, they, those are, they have the, the showcases that you kind of earn. Yeah. Know, that's definitely... Though all four of those races in the demo are, are going to be different showcase moments. Yeah. Um, my, my only um, thing is, I think the winter um, needs a bit of work. It, it just looks... It doesn't look as good as the other seasons, I feel like. Ice is hard to do and snow is hard to do. Um, and when I look at games, you know, you look at recently um, things like God of War, how, how they do their snow um, and ice. I think that looks visually really appealing. Um, yeah. Whereas I, there's just something off about the way it looked in Forza Horizon. Whereas the other seasons looked amazing. Like it's just something about it just didn't look like they've got that nailed yet. Um, it just looked too fake, I guess. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. It's a little bit off. Yeah. Um, so they got a bit of time to work on that. So hopefully that'll be something that, that comes back. But otherwise, like, yeah, man, it, it plays solid. It looks looks really good. Um, uh, what have I got here? I, I raced in a McLaren. What <laughs> was one of the cars yeah. I'm doing? So it was a McLaren, a rally race, and snow drifting. Um, were kind of like the showcases that were showing between the, the different seasons and whatnot. And everything felt yeah. really good, I, I feel like. So, yeah, it's definitely promising. I've been a big fan of um, Horizon 3 in Australia. That was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. And so, like, <laughs> taking this to to England <laughs> um, or the UK, yeah, it's it'll be interesting. Like, I don't, like, I don't feel like you're going to have those desert-type environments, but it should be pretty green, right? I feel yeah. like the well, UK's pretty green. So the beyond closed doors or beyond beyond closed doors behind closed doors was all Australians and like that's the best type of situation. So it was like <laughs> me, Jung, um, 
oh, I think Shannon was there, a couple other Australians. And like when they when Ralph found out that we were all Australians, you could kind of just see him like his shoulders relax kind of a little like, bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is going to be a good one. Yeah. And it was near the end of the day. Like Australians are all pretty good. And we just like kind of like shot the shit for a while, really. Um, and that's like super good because they kind of they're just a little bit more relaxed and open with what they're talking about. Yeah. So like he's talking to a group of Australians. They just put their last game out in Australia. So he's like, oh, you guys get this. Like it's the it's going to be a map that's basically the same size as Australia was. Um, yeah. And he referenced uh, the Scottish Highlands, Edinburgh, uh, valleys from Wales, some bits of Cornwall and Northumberland. And he's like, but we're doing it in like Horizon style. So it's not, you know, it's going to be all like mushed together in a weird way that, you know, people in the UK are going to be like, what? Yeah. You guys get it. You, you've been through that. But like, yeah, we get that. So um, the other really cool thing that he was talking about is that it's it's all basically online so you don't jump into the online um mode of horizon for you you're basically starting in online so you're in uh, a mode called horizon life that'll have 72 concurrent players mm-hmm. um it's not like an always online game so you know you can flick into solo if you really want to and it replaces these people with drivatars instead um but you know like this time around if you use the normal settings you see people in the world like they are people in the world um they're doing a really cool thing to kind of avoid griefing so as you'd expect with 72 people you know you might just have people that's like wreck into you as you're driving around the world not in a race um but every other concurrent player will auto ghost if you're not in a group with them so if i saw you in my world but i wasn't you know like grouped up with you in a party or like in in their friends list I would basically just drive through you. So I couldn't just, you know, like keep running up the back of you and trying to wreck you basically. Um, and you can even reverse time in that shared world. So, you know, like even though we're all kind of playing in the same instance, um, if I hit reverse and you're kind of around me, hmm. you will ghost and I'll just kind of drive through you in reverse. So I have to. So like, I can't even imagine what that means to have to yeah, right. deal with all that data and make it work. But that's what they said is going to happen, which is really cool. Hmm. Um, each of those seasons will take place, um, each week. So every week of real world time will be a different season in horizon four. So like this week will be spring. Next week will be autumn. Next week will be summer. Next week will be winter. Um, which is cool and weird. I thought it would kind of change frequently than that. Um, but it is the same winter or the same temp or not the same seasonal system there we go um across each server so everybody will be in the same season at the same time everybody will transition at the same time which is kind of cool um the biggest and tell me if you had this like Mm -hmm. i think the catchphrase of e3 was like live the blank life and blank was (laughs) the name of the franchise so you can live the horizon life so the idea with this one is um like in horizon 3 you came to australia and you're all English, basically, and you brought this Horizon Festival to different areas in Australia, and then presumably you just, like, pack up and leave. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is kind of like a permanent Horizon Festival, so you're, like, you're trying to become, you know, this awesome person at the Horizon Festival, but you're also, like, living a life. So you get your own house, yeah. and, you know, like, it has a garage, and, like, it's a little bit more customizable. Uh, and even though like the 72 concurrent player thing exists, there's not like 72 houses in the world. Like there's just one house at one location yep. and I own it in my world and you want it. In your- so 
it's just kind of cool and neat. Um, it just sounds like a UK version of Horizon 4 with some seasons yeah. and some cool like online you know, quality of life stuff even. So like not reinventing the wheel, but the best thing about Horizon is that it's just really enjoyable. So yeah. I'm keen for more, really. Yeah, man. I'm on board too. Definitely looks good. Nice. Uh, all right. Should we move on? Something else? Um, yes. Did you want to go here this time? <laughs> uh, sure. I looked at Beyond Good and Evil 2, which is weird. Like, it's so early. It's hard to tell, like, what is just kind of being prepared to show us what they're wanting to do and what's actually part of the game. Yeah. So, what, like, what's a tech demo and what is actually, like, pretty much. part of it? Yeah. Yeah. So, it's it's it was an extension of what they showed at the conference. So, you started as um, a character in a very small room and they kind of pull back and you realize that you're kind of walking through a temple and then they pull out of the temple and you leave the temple and you're in this corner of a city called Ganesha city, Ganesha city. And they kind of show you the, the, the scale of the city and it's a pretty damn big city. And then they like go up into the atmosphere and show you like the continent and the world and all the different places that you can go in the world. And then they pulled out of that and showed you like space and the system that you were in and like flying around that. And then they pulled out to what we thought was a map. And he's like, this isn't the map. Like this is the same world. We've just, you know, on your ship, you have something called a galaxy viewer and it just pulls out of the world and puts the camera in a state that shows everything. So they don't have like a map of the entire galaxy. They can just like zoom the camera in and out of this like gigantic, gigantic play space. And like, Oh, I like almost stopped listening to what they were saying because I just couldn't fathom how that actually worked. And there wasn't a single loading screen hmm. or transition or pause through like any of that movement. And I'm just like, this is nuts. It's crazy. So that was like the biggest, craziest thing to like take away from the entire presentation. Um, they were kind of showing what they wanted to do. So we, and they tried to give you all this backstory and lore and it was just like so overwhelming I could barely keep track but from my understanding we are humans uh, who are in a different area of the galaxy or the universe and something's happened to us so we can't procreate but we can make clones of the existing DNA pool so you know the human race continues by just you know continuations of cloning and cloning and cloning and cloning Mm -hmm. Uh, and you get to in the character creator kind of choose the dna that makes who you look like but you'll see you know kind of copies of you around the world you know because there's only so many combinations that you know we can all make uh and like the monkeys and the weird pig things and the elephant guys they're called hybrids um so they're kind of using splicing of dna with you know like some human dna um but all these hybrids are made specifically to be slaves to like the humans and the corporations that kind of are running things so like kind of like blade runner you know corporations are in ultimate control like in cyberpunk corporations are in ultimate control and the idea is anytime you're cloned if you're just like a normal human or you're a hybrid your destiny is already fulfilled. So like if you're a a monkey hybrid, they're good miners. So you're cloned specifically to become a miner. If I'm a human, I'm, you know, cloned to be a banker or whatever else. And the characters that you play as are kind of like the space pirates who go, well, I don't want to do that. I 
hell and I want to, you know, fight against the, the machine and the man. <clears throat> so that's kind of the world you find yourself in. Um, they showed a little bit of combat, but they didn't have a lot kind of prepared. So mm-hmm. you have, as a, as a captain, your player character, you have a gun, a sword, a shield, and a jetpack. Um, so you can always kind of fly around the world. You can block attacks and you can, you know, like do malaise or you can do... Um, ranged combat uh, and they showed off a couple things that they were working in called augments which were basically like tech tree abilities and you can either equip, equip them to your shield or your weapons um, but they didn't have many so they had like a pushback kind of augment that you know put some distance between you and some opponents uh, a freeze augment and that's it mm. <laughs> um, and there's also a spyglass which kind of like lets you look at anything really which is really cool so you could look at enemies and see their corporate affiliation, see which augments they had installed. You could see, you know, like which weaknesses they had, but you can use this spyglass to basically look at anything and get information about anything. So we looked at a statue and got more information about the statue or looked at a building and found out that that was the bank. And the kind of cool thing with that is oh, like, that's a bank. So, you know, you know, you can go to that bank and you can choose to rob it and, you know, like then go to the shop and buy more augments. So, it sounds like they're trying to build in all of these really cool systems and mechanics in this crazy like sandbox type world. But, but like I'm it's it's weird. It's like all this cool stuff, but you're not sure how it's gonna like how a game is going to come out of it, yeah. if that makes sense. Um but I am really excited about what they're doing and I really want to be able to just kind of muck around in this world like they're doing. Um, there's just so much. It's like really hard to wrap your head around. And like, they're kind of saying like, you know, like we just prepared this for you guys to see. We wanted to show you how far ahead we were from last year, you know, which is leaps and bounds, but like, we're we're not going to be ready for a while. Um, but I'm happy with Ubisoft being cool with Ubisoft Montpellier, just like continuing to develop this and eventually getting it ready. And when they're satisfied with what they've done, I'm, I'm happy to play the game when it comes out. So yeah, it was just, it was mind blowing, crazy, weird, mind blowing, like just cool, optimistic stuff. That's kind of reminiscent of what Cyberpunk is doing. Just you can't wait to see what they're gonna do yeah. and what the end result's gonna look like. And like, it's just, it's not. It does. It doesn't feel like pipe dreams. It feels like really cool stuff, and you just kind of want it all to to click and be in your hands sooner so, rather than later. So they weren't showing like any specific like hey here's a mission it was just kind of systems and that's just a world you fought like three or four guys and Mm. then they just like pulled you out and you know like you went from this little tiny room Mm. to the galaxy and i probably did that such a disservice but it was just like it's it was crazy just like writing notes and looking and like your jaws dropping at the same time it's it looks cool it looks very cool yeah, I'm keen to see more. Like, it, I think it's been too long though since I played Beyond Good and Evil. It's got to be like 15 years. Um, so uh, it's on I, Xbox 360 back and pat, but like, it's one of those games that it's old and you got to like really, yeah, kind of force yourself to get back into it. And I don't think I'd, I'd ever get back into it. And like, I just like I don't know what the story's about. And I can't remember. It's been too long. <laughs> I can't remember either. Yeah. But this is a prequel, so you don't need to have any knowledge of Beyond Good and Evil 1. So there Which is weird, right? Because I feel like when, when Jade shows up in that, that trailer, it seems like they're making her like a bad guy or something like that. <laughs> it just seems super strange. Did you get that feeling or was it just me? 
I have a note. Yeah, I did. And I have a note on that. I think somewhere got to do a search for it. Yeah. It says Jade is the pirate crew's nemesis. That's one of my notes. So like you're, you're fighting her basically. Yeah. Okay. I don't know in what capacity. And then they're going to team up and get some bigger evil. Probably. Yeah. It was weird. Like you walk into this room and they just had like an entire wall just plastered with photos from like all the different trailers that they've put out for this game so far. And then they spent a good 25 minutes just pointing at pictures being like, so this is what happens here. And then there's these things called hybrids and this happens and corporations. And then that happens. And like, you're just trying to like wrap your head around it. And you're like, okay, I guess. Sure things. Like, and then they started playing the game and it didn't like, none of that actually mattered, hmm. which was even weirder. Like the takeaways that we needed for that thing were like hybrids are these, you know, like weird mixtures of, you know, like DNA, like of human and animal things and they're slaves and they're supposed to do like specific roles and they don't want to. So that's why they're space pirates because they're trying to like rebel against these corporations and humans do it too. And you're fighting the man really is all they needed to say. It would have taken five seconds and it would have been infinitely more understandable. Yeah. But it, it, at least it's proof that they're doing a lot of world building. Um, I think from what they showed, they need to figure out a better way to uh, to get that exposition happening. Um, but again, like this isn't part of the game necessarily. This is kind of just a proof of concept or, yep. you know, like a tech demo. So like you can't really hold that against them yet. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it does seem a bit tech domish. Like the 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 stuff they were showing last year with the hey here's the ship, and then they're like zooming out and like here's this giant elephant statue thing. It just seems like they've expanded on that a little bit to the point where they're like now yeah. here's a universe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. Um, I can quickly talk about Days Gone. Uh, I didn't play much of this. They had two missions uh, for hands on. One of them was a, a story-based mission, um, and this is that zombie uh, zombie survival game where you're playing as a character, and there seems to be um, like a main story arc to it, as opposed to you know looking at a game like State of Decay where it's a sandbox survival game. Um, so yeah, the the mission that we saw. Uh, was super quick and, and very brief. Basically, started off and you were trying to find a uh, vehicle part, and one of your friends, <laughs> they're, they're in like this motorbike gang or something like that. It seems like he, he looks very motorcycle gang memberish. Um, so one of the guys you're with uh, is distracting the zombies by getting on his motorbike and driving away and riding around and making a lot of noise and whatnot. Um, so while he's off doing that, you kind of sneak into this. Um, into this building and are looking for this weapon part. Oh, sorry, uh, vehicle part. Um, and along the way, there's not really any, like, like a ton of enemies at you. There's there's these sort of, like, I don't know, super simple zombies that are just sort of scourging on the ground and, and whatnot. And you can kind of just sneak up to them and uh, do, like, a finishing attack. Um, so nothing really too challenging in this mission at all that I found. Um, there are these like really weird zombies that look like little children, um, that sort of yeah. run around the area, but they don't attack you. Um, I think they only attack at night. Maybe there, there was some sort of 
it was like, i didn't get an idea of like what was going on but they they weren't attacking me at all they were kind of just sort of standing back and watching and uh just yeah just <laughs> being really creepy um so yeah there wasn't really any enemies for me to sort of take care of so i'd kind of found found this vehicle part and then once i've done that um it turns out that old mate that was distracting everybody got captured by this local uh ravages group and so i basically run up to where he is and it plays his cutscene, and and they've um they've basically got him down like on the ground the bun- these bunch of dudes and they get out this like blowtorch and they start blowtorching his arm it's pretty graphic um Jeez. and this dude is just like screaming um and eventually you come to the rescue and <laughs> and deal with those guys and that was literally the mission that i played um so yeah it's kind of hard to get a grasp of like what sort of that game involves like i've seen the missions that they show you in trailers and whatnot um and i'm i'm interested to play it and see what it's about but that little snapshot that i got seemed like not enough for me to understand really what is going on in this game um and then the second mission that i got to play was one that we we saw i guess when they first revealed the game not the same mission but the same sort of style where you're fighting off a horde of zombies um the first time they revealed the game i think it was in like a lumberyard something like that i remember there being yeah. a lot of wood around the area um, like the opening of alan wake with the like the weird triangle like yeah groupings of like wood and chopped down trees and stuff yeah, yeah. And, and then like giant giant warehouses and him and that sort of thing so this mission that we played was very similar to that style um where there's like tons and tons of zombies in this um in this sort of confined area and you have to sort of just kill them all and there's a giant meter metered bar on the top that sort of gives you an indication of how many is left and at your disposal you've got a bunch of weapons um you can craft items from materials that you collect and you pretty much just sort of set yourself up and and get traps ready and um i guess get ready for this invasion and then once you're ready to sort of kick it off, you're pretty satisfied with what you've done. Um, yeah, you sort of just trigger the the attack and they start chasing you and whatnot. And, and uh, basically what I did was I crafted a bunch of like proximity mines and stuck them on um, locations throughout the, the environment. Sometimes there'll be like a red barrel conveniently placed in an area. So <laughs> I would, what I'd do is I'd sort of place the mine a little bit further up in front of it so that when it triggered it'd also sort of trigger the barrel and then you'd have a, a larger area of effect as opposed to just putting it on the barrel because uh, that didn't make much sense um and then like sort of trying to funnel them into an area and loop them around and make sure that like all right i'm gonna start here and run this way and then work my way up to this ramp and in between this tractor uh over the top of these logs um and sort of like I guess home aloneing it a little bit, <laughs> like setting up all these weird <laughs> traps and and that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. So yeah, it seemed to work out pretty well. Um, I did manage to clear out the entire set of zombies, um, and there's a lot of them. And that that's kind of the interesting thing for me is what piques uh, my interest in it is that the tech seems really impressive. Like there's a lot of zombies on the screen at the same time. Um, the bit I'm not sure about is the the story and how that's going to play out. Like, there's bits and pieces that I've seen that are interesting from that. I think one trailer that I've seen that they kind of showed a bit of story stuff, but from what I played, it was hard to understand really 
like what I'm supposed to be doing and sort of if it's going to be any good because it was such a short like five minute thing that didn't really involve too much um and the most part of the game that I've seen is this like this horde mode <laughs> thing that they're doing um and I don't know how that fits into it either uh but otherwise like yeah it seems interesting um and yeah the the bit that impresses me the most is that that tech of here's a shitload of zombies uh, and we're going to put them all on the screen at once. So it seems to run pretty well, as far as I can tell. You didn't get a chance to play it, did you? No, I didn't even see it. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm so conf- I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be getting, like, Last of Us vibes yeah. or, like, Dead Rising vibes or, like, State of Decay vibes. And I don't know if, like, any of those are even close to the same is. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Yeah, see, I'm well, taking a more of a... nail it down? I, I, I feel like... It's not the state of decay stuff, like you're creating these environments for people to live in or going out and getting resources. I, to me, it feels like more Last of Us or um, like Uncharted, where it's, oh, I guess Uncharted's a bad example because that's a linear thing, whatever. This seems like an open world environment, um, but there seems to be like a main story focus to it. Um, it just so happens that there's all these other things that are going on around you as well. Um, okay. So, yeah, th- that's why I'm not sure about really what's going on, because every time they show it, they're being super vague about, like, what the game is. And, and now that I've played, like, 20 minutes of it, I'm I'm still not sure. I'm still not sure, like, what the game is. Like, the, the combat and that sort of thing is, is cool. Seems to work fine. But apart from that, I'm like, I don't really understand what the game is about or what's really going on. So, <laughs> yeah. Sounds great. Yeah. And that's... Um, I feel like that's soon, right? That's next year, sometime. It was pushed yeah, back. It was, yeah. That was the only game that we had a release date for, <clears throat> out of like the law oh, and Spider Man. Out of like the lot, we yeah. don't have one for Last of Us yet or um, Ghosts. Ghost. Only one ghost. Yeah. There's not two. Just one. Um, shall we move? Did we talk about Dream? Uh, we did briefly, but I think um, we should talk about it a little bit more. <laughs> It's, I feel like I'm super excited for it, but I feel like you need like someone from Media Molecule to like spend 45 minutes explaining (laughs) what Dreams is and how it works and how cool it is. You get to Um, Skype with them. (laughs) (laughs) They probably do it too. They're all good people. Um, It's, it's, I don't even know where to start with that. Like there was that the, the guy who showed me was a puppeteer by trade, and he got into animation, right. and like now he can do he can use a DualShock and like create music and stuff through these tools that they've built. So it's it's crazy neat and cool, hmm. but I don't know how that translates into explaining how the game works. Yeah. Um, so I had like a senior designer take me through it. Um, basically. For people that have played like Little Big Planet, it's this idea of, um, I guess, playing through a game where there's levels and whatnot, but also being able to create your own levels and games. And they've sort of taken that idea and and gone stupid with it, like completely stupid. Yeah. It just it's bonkers the amount of stuff that is in here. So they they showed us like um, like here's some of the levels we built and some of the ones that are in the game, um, and some of them are really basic stuff like simple platformers um you know standing on this location while your co-op partner stands on this thing and that triggers a door to open and whatnot um 
sometimes there's things within the environment you got to jump on and kill but then they start showing you like things that people have made in the like in the company and then it's like all right this game is no longer a platformer now it is a side scrolling oh sorry like a it's no longer like a third person platformer now it's like a side scrolling platformer or now they're playing a uh, space simulated shooting game um Did or now it's a horror the- game <laughs> The weird, there's this one little bit, it was like super easy to like understand, but like just crazy complicated, I'm assuming to a maid. And like, anyway, so you like, you play as two hammers. Oh, and yeah, yeah. You're, and you're standing on this like, sear, like on this floor, and you hit a button to break the floor, and then the floor is gone. And if you fall through the floor, you, you lose. You lose, yeah. And it's you versus one other person. And all, and all you do is, like, you just you act as a hammer against the floor trying to make a gap for something to fall through. And it's, like, this the stupidest thing, but it's just, like, crazy entertaining. It's like a and Mario like Party minigame, right? Oh, yeah. It's just so fun. Yeah. And that's just, like, and that's... Someone made that. All these other game types and things that you've <laughs> talked about. It's just nuts. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and, like, there was stuff in there. They'd show, like, trippy just videos that you'd kind of sit there and watch and to play out that way. Um, the guy that, um, that, uh, that took me through the demo, he, he showed me one of the ones that he made him and his friend. Just, it's just like, so like, it's so crazy. And then they, they took you through a demonstration of like, all right, now you, here's, we'll get you to build a level as well. Um, and it started off and I'm pretty sure everybody got the same sort of demo, but it started off with like, all right, here's this part of this, um, this map and we'll just take, take this part and we'll make it you know four times bigger and now we'll make that like a wall and we'll we'll uh, clone that like four or five times and now i've got this this giant platform that goes along with it now we'll put a lake in the middle and then we'll build a bridge and like as he's doing this stuff it's it just sort of expands and, and gets crazier and crazier it seems like he's doing something really simple sorry something that's really hard but it's only he's making a level within the span of like 30 seconds all of a sudden like he's explaining all these mechanics to you and they sound difficult but then when he does them it's like he does them so quickly and it's just making this amazing looking level it looks awesome um and then you get to do it and and it's equally as easy like i look at things like little big planet and i'm like this is too hard i i'm never going to create something in this but i went and looked at dreams and went no i could do this this is I, I want. I have ideas of what I want to do. It's it's so intuitive, and it's probably like the best use of the like the gyroscope on the DualShock controller that I've ever mm. seen. Like it's actually worthwhile as it's rather than just kind of being like shoehorned in a game to do something. Yeah. So like, and and like, I'm sure you had the same kind of thing. Like, there's this gigantic kind of like there's pre-built stuff that they've done. So they made this kind yep. of like puppety dragon kind of thing and of course i'm sitting here with the puppeteer and he's like just holding the dual shock in two hands and like jiggling it and doing all these things and using the um i didn't say this the, the triggers so like <laughs> he used the left trigger and the right trigger and like the puppet's hands like raise one for each trigger and he's just kind of like jiggling it and like slumping around and the amount of like emotion he could like yeah. elicit from this inanimate object just by kind of like shaking controller like i'm sure that we won't be able to do it as well but with practice i'm sure i could get pretty close and that's what excites me about dreams like if you want to do something c- 
creatively and you want to kind of go down those paths, you can. Yeah. Um, but also, like, if you just want to, like, play the things that other people make, they're going to have a pretty strong, like, um, curated kind of section for that kind of stuff. So, you know, like, if you're not a creator or you don't want to create, you can just go and play crazy hammer-on floor game or play yeah. whatever else someone has made. It's, it's like, it seems really cool. And mm. I hope people get behind it. And the, the, like, the stupid thing is, like, they spent all of E3, their press conference, just kind of, like, Please, showing you yeah. random dude on a piano. And, like, if you didn't know that was Dreams, you'd be like, what the hell are they doing? Yeah, these, like, five-second clips. Yeah. So, like, and it's cool that they can do all that, but they need to, like, really figure out how to market dreams and how to make people aware of what's capable Mm. and actually build a user base behind the game. So like all these cool ideas can come to fruition and people get to like experience the game and try other people's things. And like, if people don't get behind this, it's going to die a very quick death is my fear. Yeah. And like, like I was trying to throw the guy off and be like, Oh, can you do this though? Um, (laughs) <laughs> he'd be like yeah i can do that here i'll show you and like i was trying to get him to all right let's start the camera here and as you move across the level can we have it then go onto this side and then up here and spin around in this direction and he's like yeah i can do that and then he like set together a chain of commands it took him like 30 seconds to do this and then, like then he'd jump into the game and pl- run around with the character and as he was moving like in the direction that i wanted him, him to that the camera would then make those movements and going like all right, now the camera is switching around here and going up this this side. Like, remember the the classic, um, I guess, like the old God of War games where you have this. It wasn't a fixed camera behind you, like the the new one. It would go into certain perspectives and that sort of thing. Like, I was trying to get him to do that, and yeah, it, it worked. So, there's every time I tried to get him to do something that I thought of, he would jump in there and be like, "Yeah, we can do that," and it'd just be crazy. And we let like we made. Uh, like he was showing how you'd make different terrain. There's like different objects in the world that you can make, um, and then assign different properties to them. Um, that you can create your own music. We made our own stupid song, which sounded really cool. Um, there's like logic, as I said, behind the things you can do. You can program your own, you know, this thing does this, this, you know, AI or whatnot. I don't know. Um, uh, there's images in there. You can create your own characters. There's just so many different things in there that, allow you to sort of build your own game and and just like assets they've created for you but also things you can import externally um it just seems nuts like the amount of it wasn't a game that was on my radar because they're not normally my types of games that i play but after seeing it and just seeing how complex it is but also how easy some of this stuff is um yeah man it completely blew me away oh 100 it's it, it looks like it would be difficult, but it's not. Hmm. Um, and like, if you're super technically minded, you can grab a move, can actually sculpt things with like movements of your wrist, or you can just kind of grab something that they've done, clone it, reshape it, make it bigger. Like, there's just multiple ways to do stuff, and it's exciting. It, it's exciting is the, the word I think for a dream kind of like your own creativity and imagination or like that's that's the limits not you know like a technical limitation it's it's neat yeah um and he also said they're going to have video tutorials as well to help people that don't know um or that want to like 
learn about it even more. So that was cool. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. It looks it looks really good and interesting. And I'm hoping. Um, yeah, the, the bit that sort of interests me was that everything that I saw from the main sort of missions that he was showing me was like, oh, it's a third person like platforming thing. And then they started showing you like some of the levels that they'd created, and I was like, holy shit, this is nuts. This, this doesn't make any sense because yeah. <laughs> that's when it was like, all right, now it's a first person shooter. Now it's a side scrolling puzzle game. Uh, now it is a horror game. Uh, now it's a music game. Um, now it is not even a game. It's just something you watch. Like, yeah, the potential yeah, there I, is crazy. I don't rate Little Big Planet very highly, and this isn't Little Big Planet, which is good. It's something completely different, which is nice and optimistic and good because, like, just didn't care. And it's not just you know make something cool in this three D plane or this two D plane and platform. It's whatever you want to make, you can pretty much do. Hmm. Awesome. I think we've talked about that enough. I don't know if I have a lot of other things to talk about. Like, I can talk about Let's Go Poke. Super boring. Or have I already done that? I can't even remember. Thing. Um, I don't think you did. It, it's a combination of Pokemon Go and... Um, the classic Pokemon. Pokemon battles. But, like, so there's no random encounters. You walk up to a Pokemon on the map, and then you go into... Pokemon Go mode, which is literally exactly the same. Throw a Pokeball at thing. Except there's no spinning. Except there's no spinning, and you can use the additional cost Pokeball peripheral to uh, to throw something at the screen, and it has a speaker inside of it that makes a Pokemon noise. So if that's something that you're excited about, then more power to you. Um, and the only other thing they showed us is that you can walk up other Pokemon trainers in the world, and then fight them and that's like a kind of traditional trainer battle in a normal pokemon game so it's like those kind of two elements and that's it from the look of it mm. so i hope you like that because that's all you're getting and that was like that then you're better off not playing it yeah man like that was the weird thing that i took away from that it was, it was there's no random encounters anymore and it's like well okay but the kind of mentality <laughs> behind that is like if you want a real pokemon game wait till 19 Hmm. This is this is literally just to capitalize off the millions and millions of people playing Pokemon Go, and like fair enough because they're making a mint off that. But it's just like it's a weird it's a weird thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, is that all you want to say about that? Pretty much. There's not was there wasn't much else to it to be honest. Yeah, I feel like the rest of the stuff we talk about is is super short. Um, yeah. I, I saw Serious Sam four. Um, that's super early as well um very very early it's basically uh i didn't play any of the other games so i i went into this like not knowing a lot about it apart from like it's a first person shooter where you shoot a lot of shit like they try and throw a lot of enemies at you um did you ever play any of the other games at all no no i have not no um seems to have a lot of fans behind it like it's I always see it on Steam and a lot of people play it and whatnot, so <clears throat> yeah. Um so this one is basically they've upgraded the engine that they're using, they're adding things like vehicles into the game, basically because there's this huge map now that allows you to explore. Um so adding vehicles means that you can get to places a lot quicker. Um <clears throat> they showed things off like, oh now you can shoot and drive as well, so while you're being chased by all these stupid enemies, they'll you'll be able to shoot them in the face. Um the kind of one thing that I took away, which was really impressive about it, because again, it was super early. 
it looked um it you know looked pretty rough at the moment but i'm sure they'll get there they were just kind of showing like hey this is really you know a pre very pre-alpha we're just wanting people to to get an early look at it um but here's kind of the direction we're taking and what we're looking at doing um so yeah the the thing that i really took away from the game is they're gonna that they've currently got working a hundred thousand enemies on the screen and that's something that they teased during the reveal trailer where he sort of he gets swamped at the end by all these dudes that are running sort of over the hill and um <laughs> yeah man a hundred thousand enemies is a lot of there's a lot of enemies and that's the the thing that they go for in these games is like having a lot of things coming at you and you trying to deal with it all um i guess that's the appeal of them so yeah if that's something that people keep asking for i'm sure they'll be even more excited about this game um because it looks really interesting for the moment <laughs> nice. yeah um otherwise uh the other thing that i saw was uh strange brigade which is a oh, yeah this is from rebellion um and it is a co-op third person sort of adventure game uh shooter thing um you're basically playing with a bunch of other people and it's set in like the 1930s where um i guess like it's got this archaeology sort of vibe to it um like your indiana jones type thing where you're you're going through all these temples and ruins and and trying to find treasures and you're fighting these weird monsters um things like uh look like mummies when we were playing um and uh you're basically with these other people in your group you're working through puzzles and the environment uh each time that you take someone down one of the enemies down they kind of drop these um orbs that collect your that charge your ultimate abilities and each character's got their specific ultimate that they use uh everyone's different they've also got each character's got different weapons like you're the shotgun guy or the you're the machine gun person or uh maybe you want to be a sniper rifle um up the back so yeah you're um you're sort of progressing through these these areas and as you progress you're collecting treasures and um you get to points of the map where you can then start upgrading and getting new um types of weapons um and upgrading or even upgrading those weapons if you want um so you're spending gold uh that's what you're kind of spending your gold in that you're collecting there are traps throughout the environment you got to try and avoid but at the same time you can use them to take out different types of enemies so like lead them back into um like the example that we saw was this like spinning uh like blades that kind of come up from the ground and would just sort of spin around and just chop things in half and you could use that as um you know an offensive capability of leading things into that area or if you weren't too careful you'd take your take damage from it so there's a bit of risk reward in terms of that um it's got this like very like left for dead type vibe going for it i I can't really think of many other games that that do that where there's just a bunch of enemies that are coming at you and you've got to progress through the area and try and get to the end um so yeah, Left 4 Dead's kind of the, the vibe that I got from it. Um, I'm not sure if... Like, I can't think of any other games that have done that similar style. Like, there's games like Payday, but that's not, like, horde-orientated type stuff. It's very slow, methodical, um, <laughs> robbing banks and, and that sort of thing. But it's still, like, in the co-op genre. 
Um, so yeah, it's it seems really interesting. Uh, there are like multiple paths throughout the levels, like the environment. So we were playing, and I was sort of going off on my own area, and being like, "Where the fuck does this go?" Um, him being like, "Oh, this is like you can go down that path, and it'll take it'll eventually lead you to this other area and whatnot." But we're going this way. I'm like, "All right, okay, fair enough." Um, so yeah, it does seem really interesting. Like it felt fine to me playing it. It seemed like it was playing decent like the shooting and whatnot um i'm i really enjoy co-op games like this i think they're a lot of fun um and it seems like a game that i'd get with my group and we'd sort of play through it and and uh jump in there and have a good time um and there's like a co-op uh campaign sorry there's a campaign story to it so like there's actually something going on there because i asked them like is this just you pick a level and off you go and, and whatnot and just sort of works? He's like, no, this is an actual story to it. So that part's interesting. Um, the only bit I'm a, a bit concerned about is the difficulty of it. Uh, we didn't have too much of a hard time dealing with the... Well, I didn't. The, the rest of my team was a bit... I was struggling a bit. Um, <laughs> like, it was really weird. Like I was collecting all this gold and I'd leveled up my weapons like two or three times. And I'm looking at their screen and they had nowhere near. I reckon I collected... 3,000, 4,000 gold by the end of our run. And these guys had must have done like two, 300 the entire time each. And it got to the end of the game. I was like, this is how much gold you've collected. I'm like, they did fucking literally nothing, these guys. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the, the difficulty was pretty basic. Um, and I asked them about like how they're planning on addressing difficulty. And it sounds like it scales depending on how many people are actually in your group. Um, so you don't actually have to play it with four people. You could play it with uh, three or two or just, I guess, run it solo as well. Um, and then depending on how many people you got in there, it's going to throw in uh, different types of enemies and, and that sort of thing. Um, <clears throat> but what he didn't address was if there was going to be a, a, like a, a hardcore mode or like something harder than normal. So that like once you've finished the game, you can then go back through it and try something a bit harder. So that's something i'd like to see them put in there but they weren't really talking about that at the moment so that kind of sucks but but otherwise everything i saw from it um seemed really cool uh and i'm definitely keen to play more with a bunch of other people um yeah cool it sounds it looks cool it sounds cool and i thought like it seemed kind of up your alley so i was kind of keen for you to check it out so i'm glad it's yeah. worthwhile yeah we we only played through the one mission uh or the through the one part of the mission um it like wasn't super long demo it was like like 15 minutes but it's got a really cool like aesthetic to it um you know it's got that like they like black and white movie introduction videos um and uh yeah it looks really cool so i'm excited to sort of play a bit more and it's out it's actually out quite soon i think these said end of august so oh wow here yeah. in my notes it's, they announced it last year or the year before so it's, yeah it's been a long time coming. Yeah, from what I read the other day, I think yesterday, um, it'll be at the next PAX as well. Um, so whatever that is, I'm not sure. Nice. Yeah. It's almost back to us soon, but not quite. Nearly. Nearly. Um, what else have we got on my list? Do you have anything else you can think of? Not... Uh, did, uh, did I talk about Metro Exodus? It's the thing where, like, I um, can't remember... I've told these stories so often now, I can't remember who I've told them to. I cannot remember. Um, in case I haven't, it was bad. <laughs> like, 
it wasn't great. Like, it was, it's, I love the Metro franchise and I'm really kind of excited for this one. It's like an open world game, but you're on a train and you're going along like a train track from one location to the other and then it's open world. So it's like, uh, is that open world or is that kind of like half linear exploration yep. involved? Like I'm, I'm, and it was just super janky. Like it looked really, really good. Like it looked amazing. But apart from that, like the combat was off and the stealth was glitchy and it just seemed very disjointed. Um, it's for a game. So like the, the, the conversations were all horrible. <laughs> like it, yeah. it, it, it's probably going to be a lot better than what I, experience so i'll give it like a grain of salt and think it's gonna you know like be a lot better than than what we were shown um but i think they were kind of just more keen to show us that they could do an open world environment and it would be okay but like they didn't it wasn't i i don't i'm i'm torn what to say about it because i know that the metro games are pretty good and i'm really excited for it yeah but like it just it wasn't that appealing yeah um and I hope it gets a lot more polish before it sees the light of day. And that's the end of my story. <laughs> Daylight. Remember that game? Um, ah. Well, that's that's one we didn't get to see, right? And I was pretty bummed about that because everybody was saying it looks sick. Yeah. Sorry, uh, not, not Daylight. Dying Light too. Oh, yeah. No, we tried, but we didn't. Yeah. But I was trying to like just make that make sense. But I hadn't <laughs> about good, yeah. good, 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 good. Um, the other thing I wasn't sure if we talked about was the Xbox Adaptive Control. We might have briefly mentioned it. Oh man, no, we haven't yet. Yeah. I don't think that is crazy. That's like the dreams of peripherals, basically. In that, like, you, you it can do anything that you want it to do. And I think most people probably listening to this podcast won't have to worry about that in their lifetimes, which mm. is cool. Like, you can just use a controller and you're good to go. Or if you want to use a mouse and keyboard, or whatever. But like, this is designed for people who can't quite do that. So they can yeah. get the same experience that we get in our everyday life with like a hundred dollar controller that, you know, will basically accept anything kind of made for accessible gaming. Cause they all come with like 3.5 millimeter jacks. So like anything that is already on the market that hmm. is like a simple switch or a way of kind of controlling something that, you know, people can take advantage of. It just plugs into this controller and essentially, it's like the hardware version of the Xbox controller button remapping that we already have. So, like, you want this to be the A button. You want this to be the B button. Well, now it is. And good. Like, that's it. That's all it is. And it's so simple, but, like, it will be such a game changer, like, pun intended, I guess, for so many people. It's just, like, crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like, um, uh, like having sort of this device for people with like limited mobility um and giving them the opportunity to to play games like a little bit easier um yeah but yeah the thing that kind of blew me away was the being able to hook up all these third-party accessories or peripherals you know things that are already out there and available that people use and plug that into this device um and have that be like something that they can then also used to that um yeah yeah man it's it's really interesting and i'm 
I think it's an awesome step in the right direction. Like they've been working with a bunch of um, like different communities out there, things like Able Gamers, um, Special Effects, and it's a it's a good step because the only thing that happens now is Sony comes out as well, and they've got to. I feel like um, they've got to come out and do something similar, and then that causes this back and forward effect, right? Of where you know there's competition then. And yeah. the only well, and, and this stuff exactly gets better and better, want. yeah, yeah. So it's it, and like the thing that we were speaking to, I was speaking at like a, an evening event to one of the guys who was in like the announcement videos, hmm. and he had a disability in one of his hands, and he's like, I don't want people to think of this as like a disabled person's controller because it's it's so much more than that. It's like it's. It, like I said, it's like the the hardware version of button remapping. So you mm. could, you know, like you might just have one of these controllers acting as like um, like a brake and a gas pedal because there's like two gigantic buttons on the on the thing. Like uh, like playing Forza. Like yeah. so, you could have a, a steering wheel connected to it, and you could have these as like gas pedals. Like it's it's more than just a disabled person's controller. It's like an accessible controller. It's for whatever you can think of to plug into it and program it to do what you want. And that's, it's just like one of those warm, fuzzy blanket feelings like that we're in video games. We're not changing the world. We're not, you know, like doing much apart from just having fun. But like, this is one of those things that can impact a lot of people and, Hmm. and improve like people's experiences and, and what they can do in life and just like bring them so much joy and, like in saying that, I'm like equating it again to like a disabled person's controller, and they don't want that to be the case. But like, it's just you. Th- it's it's like beyond good and evil. You think of like what it can do, like what it's been designed to do, and what that actually means in the real world. And it's just kind of like mind blowing, and mm. I'm excited for it. Yeah, yeah, it looks it looks um it's really good. I think it looks really good. Um. All right. Uh, the other thing on here that I wanted to talk about was um, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. We um, didn't really touch on that. Mm. Uh, I got some hands on with it. I think you got an actual presentation, right? No. Oh, um, okay. I thought you did. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, just, I, I just had hands on at the uh, showcase thing. Yeah, I just I had hands same, on as well. Same thing. Um, cool. So I wasn't too sure really. Like, I played it. I- I'm a big fan of the last two Tomb Raider games. Um, the I guess the reboot or reimagining um whatever they're calling it and um yeah i was part of the first group that like i played that first one and was like this game's really fucking good and then when the second game came out everybody was like oh my gosh this tomb raider game is amazing and i was like yeah but the last one was (laughs) it was was, exactly the same the last one was amazing (laughs) like i get it this one's really good but where were you guys at the last one um and like that that first one i don't think it sold that well and that's kind of why it went over to to xbox uh, but I remember the, yeah, like the other guys playing it that I play games with and they're like, yeah, this one's really good. The sequel. And I was like, I, I, I get it. Like I'm, I'm enjoying it, but for them, it was like blowing them away. And I'm like, it's doing the shit I saw last time. <laughs> yeah. And that's the level of quality that I've come to expect from a team. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of the way I feel like about this one. Like it's, it, it feels like a Tomb Raider game. I, I didn't really see anything different in there that, I hadn't seen before apart from the um, 
the stealth like wall hiding in like the foliage that was in the wall um i hadn't seen that before oh yeah it's like the thing that i kind of took away from it is that the the demo was all about um it was a lot more puzzle orientated and oriented and it took place in i guess what you would consider a fairly sizable tomb like (laughs) <laughs> maybe ruins of yeah. something maybe more so than tomb yeah. but like it's you know those were the two big things oh it's not tomb Raider because it's like okay yeah we get it we're we're trying to bring this more in line with you, what you expect from tomb raider and like the way that laura was dressed like her outfit it's getting like ever so closer to kind of like the standard laura croft blue kind of type top thing like she doesn't have dual pistols yet maybe she will by the end yeah she'll like, find she's them starting to look she's starting to look more like like playstation polygonal lara croft like it's just like you know like they're just continuing to add to the world and making it more of a, a franchise like it's good it's it's good it's tomb raider hmm. and it's starting to kind of like fall in line with the original tomb raider games which makes sense because this is a series of prequels really that take us to where she was and it's all good like it's it's not reinventing the wheel but it's all good stuff yeah yeah that's what i I feel about it like i didn't see anything other than the the foliage on the wall and you being able to hide in that um as opposed to like there's plants and you can hide in the the plants now um this is like a step further like oh you can hide against this wall and take stealth take down guys um so yeah that that looks good and um, because I didn't do a presentation, I wasn't really sure what else was new. But that's the one thing that I saw about it. I was like, ah, oh, I haven't seen that part before. Um, yeah, I thought I thought you would have had one with the Xbox appointments that we had, but I guess not. Nah, nah. And neither, was... neither did I. So there we go. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just looking through this list, and I think like a Concrete Genie. I played that. That was okay. Was, I don't have much to say. That's like the the graffiti game. Um, where you paint walls. Oh, yeah. um, I guess the, the only thing I thought was interesting about that game is that uh, you, you get to points where you're creating these like creatures and you're picking components and being like, all right, this, here's the body and um, I'm going to make it this long and like sticking limbs on it. And then eventually that thing like comes to life and it starts moving around the environment. And that's what I thought was kind of interesting about it because it's now like, <laughs> it's walking around and shit and it's like this thing that I've I've drawn and and um like it's got limbs and it's it's moving around and it's getting me to go in certain directions. Um that's what I thought was interesting. Otherwise it's like pretty basic puzzle game of you just painting shit. Um might need a bit of work. I think the the hipsters that love indie games will fucking chew that thing up, but it didn't do that much for me. It sounds way too much like drawn to life just because like there's drawings and that game is awful. It's just literally a game about painting walls and there's little kid bullies that chase you around and if they find you, then they will steal your paintbrush. Um, So you've got to paint while they're not around and that was pretty much it. Like like, it's really interesting in terms of being able to create like all these unique artworks and making it look really pretty, but it's it's quite basic and simple. Um, Like you, you can literally... The guy was like, people were just putting stars everywhere, so we had to stop them from doing that because, like, there's a star sticker that you can just paint all over the place. And the, the idea is to light up the paint in certain areas and then that lets you progress to the next bit. 
Um, but you can literally just put trees everywhere you want to do, I guess. Um, <laughs> anyway, it's, yeah, not that. Yeah, it's got some work, I feel like. Um, I feel like that's it. Looking through my list. I don't know if I talked I so about too. Call of Duty just really quickly, but I think uh, I can't remember, to be it, honest. Well, I'll just say it feels really good. It feels like Call of Duty, um, even though they've changed the ballistic system. Um, used to be hit scan before. Now it's actually got like bullet physics. Uh, and I guess nice. that's the deal with their, their, their battle royale mode that they're putting in. Um, because the, the maps are going to be so much bigger. You can't have people being on one side of the map to the other and pressing a button and hitting them all of a sudden. So you've got to add some physics behind um, the way these weapons work. Um, nice. But it still feels really good. Like the, the classic Call of Duty style maps work really well. Um, that's really fast paced. I'm, I didn't play the last Call of Duty game, but um, yeah, man, this one's got me pretty excited. I'm keen to see how they do their battle royale stuff because they would not talk about or show much about it <laughs> which yeah anyway well, that's, it's like battlefield they announced it but that, that's it's like yeah we got one stay tuned it'll yeah. be great yeah exactly um so was there anything else you wanted to quickly touch on or are you good no nah, i think i'm good yeah um what if, I- if there's if there's something that we haven't talked about i'm sure people will remind us or ask yeah. and we can say yes or no and we'll talk about it some other time what i will say is uh i did think definitely my game of show was cyberpunk um in terms of stuff that we saw <laughs> uh that game <laughs> just looks ridiculous um but for, for things that we played for me it was uh probably spider-man like it seemed like the most polished game that i played um and the one that i was able to play a little bit of um because you know sometimes it's not we don't get a lot of hands on with this stuff sometimes it's like you get 15 minutes and it's a small yeah. section um, and I guess the, the thing about that is is because it's so close to release that they've they're pretty yeah, happy with let you lose. yeah where it's like the Tomb Raider one it was like alright here's this puzzle and then it jumps to like you can see where they were cutting bits of the, the gameplay out and sort of progressing the story oh yeah they had like a little video in the middle it's like here's what you did yeah just in case you're worried yeah yeah and I guess that's the thing right is is these the e3 generally this stuff is in the past has been shown behind closed doors and it's a bit janky and whatnot and we understand that as as media but showing it to the public they're like this game looks fucking broken i'm never gonna buy this um yeah they've got to kind of show really polished short sections and that can take months like some of these builds take months to get right because they you know they get everybody to work on this 20 minute portion of the game for a couple of months because that's what they're going to be showing at conventions well and that's what like that's what CD Project Red said about <clears throat> Cyberpunk it's like this is like the most polished bit of this world that we're building it's still pre-alpha but like we spent all this time concentrating on this bit because we knew we were going to show people yeah and like that's that's the nature of the beast that's how it works yeah. get used to it yeah um, so did you have a favorite thing that you got a chance to check out uh, if we're talking like so Cyberpunk is all is in a world of its own um yep. which that's fair but like uh playable easily for me resident evil 2 right for the reasons i talked about last week just because it's yeah it's this amazing feel of tension from re7 um with like the way that the engine works coupled with the re4 camera that makes it even more tense um but it still manages to retain 
like the Resident Evil 2 identity, which is something I was really concerned about. So I'm really glad that Capcom has nailed that. Um, and if we're not talking about things that we didn't play <laughs> and talking about Cyberpunk, I will talk about Control because I just thought Control looked yeah, man. really impressive. Um, it's Supernatural Island Wake stuff plus super-powered Quantum Break stuff um, in a multi-platform release. So hopefully people will buy it and right. play it enough that you know, brings uh, back Alan Wake. Finally, gets to well, yeah. Remedy gets to make a sequel to this and finish telling a story or continue telling a story. Yeah. Um, and if it sells well enough, maybe that convinces Five Hundred Five to fund Alan Wake too. Because from what Remedy said, and they keep saying it, which is annoying as all hell. Like Remedy's always saying, "Yeah, we want to make it." It's like, okay, well then make another one. <laughs> so it's obviously they just don't have the like have the funding money. Yeah. to do it. So like they need someone like. Microsoft or 505 saying, yeah, like, what do you want? We'll, we'll help you. We'll get this done. But that was um, the rumor, right? Is that Microsoft said, yeah, we'll do it, but you have to give us the IP. Well, or they wanted it to kind of be like this TV show bullshit that they eventually kind of forced Remedy's hand and made Quantum Break instead. Like, yeah. they needed that kind of TV bullshit. So, no. Yeah, I hope, I hope 505, I hope this works well for 505. I hope 505, um, wants to fund Alan Wake 2. I, I think it'll get made. It. It's just... I, man, like, it's just, like, please, 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 please. But anyway, I'm, I'm excited about Control, not the pros, the prospect of, <laughs> of Alan Wake. Yeah. I'm excited about the prospect of Alan Wake, of course, but it's Control looks really good. I really liked Quantum Break. I wasn't, like, sold on the TV bullshit parts yeah. of it, but the rest of it was really good. So if if they can do that kind of stuff... But multi-platform and all, like it seems like it'll do well for them. Did you watch the uh, Remedy YouTube videos they put out the other day? No, what? What? Uh, it was just like their E3 journey. Like it was, I think, three-part video of like. Uh, was there a st- mm. like a Survivor Best of Show nomination card? No, they they talked about like uh, getting ready for the show, and then the next one was like the reception to the E3. Uh, reveal at PlayStation, uh, and then the one after that was just them sitting there um, talking about a bunch of other things that I kind of skipped through. <laughs> I didn't watch that. Part. <laughs> uh, I only watched two of them. So, no, I'm gonna check them out. Yeah, excellent. Something to do. Yeah, man. Um, all right, should we do some news quickly? Yeah, go for it. There's some stuff in here. We'll talk about some esports things because I know you love esports. Um, esports. I, I, I think uh, some big stuff. Um, the PUBG Invitational 2018 OCE qualifier was held over the weekend, and the Chiefs ended up winning that. Um, so they will be going on to represent Australia, or sorry, represent uh, the Oceania region. The Oceanic region. Uh, in uh, Berlin for the $2 million tournament that's happening next month i believe june july sorry um so that's cool that's how exciting. do they practice if they can't find a match <coughs> so the, the the actual pros are fine because they do scrims every night um oh, yeah. <laughs> by themselves they don't I was play just being a smart ass yeah. i was being a smart ass they don't uh they they like one of the guys that was in that game uh what's his name edge um he was playing in my match the other day uh, and I went hunting for him, but I didn't find him because I could, I could see, like, I could hear the shots coming out and I could see his name popping up and getting kills. I'm like, I'm going to find this motherfucker. Um, and I did take <laughs> some shots at him, but he ran away. So, yeah, we ended up on the other side of the map. Um, anyway, I'm digressing. So, yeah, these guys uh, done really well. They they played fucking awesome during the, um, the 
online qualifiers uh, a couple of weeks back, and they uh, they played really well in Sydney. Uh, so they all the teams flew down here, the top twenty teams flew down to ESL in Sydney, and um, they continued to play well during that stage. So it looked awesome. Uh, Atletico also were looking good up until the second day. Oh, sorry, the third day. I think they were in second place going into that last day, and they ended up not doing that great. They dropped down to like fifth place. Um, some of the other more dominant teams just didn't show up, like your Greyhound gaming i think we're coming second last on the the end of the second day so yeah um it was an interesting competition a lot of good a lot of good australian teams in there um the thing i'm i'm kind of disappointed is that we only get one slot in this whereas the asia region in general has a fuckload i think china's got like three southeast asia i think has a couple um and like we've proven that we're good against some of these other asian teams like the Zemo Australian Invitational, um, we did really well in that. We ended up winning that, um, and there were a lot of Asian teams in, in that tournament, and that was like two hundred. I think it was a two hundred and some hundred thirty thousand dollar tournament um, in Australia. So, yeah, I feel like we need more slots, and uh, hopefully the Chiefs do well. Um, that'll show that we're a good region, and uh, they'll start giving us more opportunities because. That's the only way we can kind of improve, right? Is by getting more, um, more experience in these sort of tournaments. So, should be good. I'll be looking forward to watching it. Nice. Um, the other esports. Do the, sorry. Do you have the throwdown news in there? I don't, I but yeah, that's a tournament that's happening. I think over the course of about a month, they're going to have uh, weekly competitions. Um, I've got I've got it up in front of me. If you want me to fill in the gaps, yeah, I think it's a fifteen thousand dollar tournament. It's not huge. I think they were touting yeah, it as grand, huge. Runs over five weeks, starts in August. Yeah. Um, and since Throwdown Esports has partnered with PUBG Corp, they're calling it uh, the Oceanic Region's first official PUBG competition. Um, though of course, there's tons of PUBG competitions that are currently running in our region. Yeah, the ones that you've already discussed. Um, they haven't really talked about much else they were more interested in kind of like telling you what they were going to do in terms of hmm. people watching on twitch and numbers and stuff they haven't announced teams or anything like that so so it's one to kind of keep your eye out for yeah so what they're going to be doing is um it'll be yeah over four weeks and each week you can register to um playing a certain day and the top five teams from each uh i guess qualifier will go into an end of the uh into like a finals bracket and then they'll all play together so you're not necessarily playing over that four week period you're just um you're just playing that one weekend and they're taking the five time five teams from that weekend to the next thing i don't think it's a great way of doing it personally um mainly because like you don't really know what other teams are going to be playing like what if five fucking pro teams show up on the same night Or, or like more than that um yeah, I think they uh, they should have at least done some sort of seeding or something like that. Like, it, I don't know. I, I would it hasn't thought like they thought about it too much. I would do it completely no. differently. Anyway, and they <laughs> haven't released any of the rules or how it's going to be played out. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so. it's very it's very basic info so far. Yeah, but super basic. Anyway, I do I derailed you. What's the other news? The other news is um, the uh, OG won the European Dota Two qualifier, which sends them to the international 2018 um the reason i put this in there is it marks our second australian player through to ti for this year um which is anna um so anna and kp um are the two australians playing in the ti this year uh anyone that doesn't know dota 2 
uh, is like biggest tournament of the year. Um, last year was $24 million in prize pool. Um, this year it's tracking to be about the same, $24, $25 million. Um, and uh, last year, KP, his team came second. So he's currently our most successful esport export. Um, and Anna is currently our second most successful. So two really good Australian players playing in some awesome teams who nice. have um, made it through to even more money this year. So that's cool. Um, apart from esports news, I don't know if you want to block your ears for this one, but uh, Spider-Man news. The, um, the sixth <laughs> character has apparently been leaked. And it was from the motion capture actor of Rhino. Um, if you don't want to know about what we're about to talk about, maybe skip forward five minutes because I feel like I don't know if I should spoil it. But And if you're the motion capture uh, guy for Rhino and want to have a career, maybe you should have shut your mouth. <laughs> yeah. Did you hear about this news? Yeah, I did. Yeah. It's, so, it's like it's a, it's a spoiler, but it's not like a super spoiler if you're a fan of Spider-Man. So like, it's a little bit. I feel like it's. Um, so we'll go through some of the characters that have already been announced. You got Mister Negative, uh, you've got Rhino, obviously. Uh, Scorpion <laughs> is in there. Um, uh, Electro, and how many is that? Is that four? That's four. We know of five, and Spider-Man fans know of like a group that Spider-Man fights a lot. And they're called the Sinister Sticks. So, like, that's... There's there's hints enough already as to who the character could be. So, I'm not going to say it until you decide you want to say it or not. But <laughs> who's the other one? Um, the other one was Vulture. The yes. fifth, fifth one. Um, so, they're the, they're the ones that we saw in the, the uh, PlayStation uh, briefing where they revealed. And then at the end of that, the um, the big cliffhanger is somebody else comes along and spider-man says oh it's you and then it kind of cuts to the spider-man logo um so we're about to i guess spoil it now uh if you don't want to listen here's your last warning turn skip forward a couple minutes anyway um so yeah this actor was was doing an interview with a um a youtuber about call of duty and they were talking about i guess he did some some working that conversation turned to spider-man uh he's not the actual voice artist for for Rhino, he was just doing some motion capture work. Uh, and he was talking about how um, during the fight scenes, because everybody uh, has different like frameworks and different sizes, that kind of the- affected the way they worked. And he started listing off names of characters. And one of the characters he said was Dr. Octopus. Um, and so that's one of the characters that we don't actually know who's in the game. The, the two... The two that I was kind of leaning towards uh, being the leader of Sinister Six was... Uh, Norman Osborn, who is Green Goblin, uh, who yep. we know is in the game. He plays the mayor of the city. Um, and he's been in like a lot of the advertising and whatnot. And the other one who, who is not being talked about at all, uh, but who is obviously a, another big pick is Doc Ock. Um, he's been like, he was the founding member of the Sinister Six way back. He's also been a part of the, <laughs> comics recently um he was also spider-man <laughs> yeah he's also spider-man for a while so yeah he's been a big part of the comics for the last uh maybe 10 years like a huge he's had a huge arc in there um so for me because of that arc, i'm kind of like wondering if they somehow bring that in because they've kind of been if we're if, like we're kind of talking spoilers and i don't i know nothing about spider-man yeah. like the game so i like i'm not saying this is what's going to happen but They've been kind of toying around with the idea of Miles 
was in there in some way, kind of like Spider Man y. So, yeah. like, it, maybe, maybe somehow they end up putting Doc Ock in Peter's body for a bit and Miles comes in. Like, I'd like. Well, yeah, maybe they but, just kill him. Yeah. Maybe they just fuck that kill him. Who knows? Yeah. Like, it's, it's kind of cool. I like the idea. But, like, it, that's the thing. Like, there's people who know this character back to front. So, like, they know what is possible. And I really liked Spider-Man, but I don't think it was, like, that groundbreaking. Like, the combat's pretty Arkham-like and the web swing. Mm. Web, the web swing, for the most part, is, like, Spider-Man 2 web swinging. So, like, maybe this is insomniac's big ace in the hole like this crazy story arc where this kind of weird shit happened yeah and that's what like gets people really excited for the game yeah man like I'm excited I, for the possibility i'm excited for it as well i don't think like when we look at games i don't think it's going to be game of the year um any like far from it when we've got games like god of war that are coming i really like god of war um or, or like we've got red dead that's still on the way out i feel like it could be in my top five but um I've definitely come down a little bit since playing it in terms of, you know, I was pretty hyped for it when I saw the trailers and whatnot. It still looks really pretty. Um, but at the same time, I've only played side, well, not even side missions. I've played random activity content. So maybe it will be freaking <laughs> awesome. But yeah, um, I I kind of expected it to be Dark Ock. Um, that's who I wanted it to be. I had a feeling it was maybe going to be Green Goblin. Um, and the reason why I didn't want that to happen is they've got enough flying characters in there. I wanted to see something different. Um, so I'm keen to see what they do with the animations for that because I think it's going to be a huge pain in the ass. <laughs> yep. Or, or he, the dude could be wrong. Like, um, I feel like that trailer definitely seemed like it was, it could have been like maybe a misdirection because there was light in front of, in front of his eyes. It, it sounded like there was some sort of engine, like a flying mechanical thing. Um, it, you couldn't hear like, obviously big steps of someone coming through with giant mechanical arms or anything like that so i don't know um maybe they just changed the trailer for that part or maybe this dude just was completely wrong who knows it's hard yeah well that's and it's kind of exciting either way yeah (laughs) like you might not know and that's cool for the future like you know it's there's only so many villains they can use i don't think they're study uh, and try to like yeah. get like make an arkham knight type character like i don't think they're going to make anything new they're just going to yeah. use like the well chronicled years of spider-man to make this story so like yeah. nothing's going to be too surprising but i think the way that they pull out the story is going to be what is going to be impressive about it yeah for so, sure yeah anyway cool um the australian classification board is reviewing the decision on we happy few uh, this was refute classification because of its drug use and benefits. Um, something yep. that we brought up with Cyberpunk 2077. Um, I don't yeah. really understand how they're planning on um, <laughs> going back and appealing this decision. Unless they change the game. Well, it doesn't sound like it. They're just asking for people to tell them like why how it impacts their lives. So like, I think they're kind of like hoping that society is their loophole like yeah so i play video games and i am very aware that there's a fictional drug called joy in this game and i realize that taking drugs is bad and there are no positive side effects from taking drugs but because this is a video game and this is a fake drug name i can suspend disbelief and realize that the advantage that joy is giving to some people is is not a good thing 
please don't refuse classification. Like, I feel like that's the angle that they're trying to get this through on, if that makes sense. Yeah. I guess still don't think it's going to work, but... Well, I'm hoping... Like, I don't think it'll work, but I'm hoping maybe this then leads to um, a change in the rule, right? Yeah, for sure. But at the same time, if they're not changing any content in the game and the rule doesn't change, then... Yeah, I, I don't see how I this can't see it working. Anything yeah. comes through. It's a shame because it looks it looked really cool in the the um the early access thing was disappointing because it was just kind of like this open world directionless thing. But they've since built in this like gigantic narrative around it, so it yep. looks good again, and I'm excited for it. It looks like like a uh, Bioshock esque cool universe that I want to go and explore in. Um, but, like, I don't know. Like, like worst case scenario, Survivor's going to do huge bank on an article <laughs> called "How to Get We Happy Few Using Like an Australia or a U.S. Account. PlayStation or Xbox Account." Like, it's yeah. not a, it's not the end of the world either way. But yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, and the last one I've got on here is in relation to a game everyone's excited for, I feel like. Uh, Rockstar Programmer had on their LinkedIn profile, they've been working on Red Dead Redemption 2 on PC. Um, this isn't something we've heard about as of yet. They've been pretty quiet in terms of what platforms it'll be coming to other it's, than the Xbox. It's been expected, but it hasn't yep. been confirmed yet. And this isn't a confirmation, obviously, no. but it's like one step closer to confirmation. Yeah, so Xbox and PlayStation are being confirmed, um, which is, I guess, the same way they did it with GTA. Uh, they uh, released those on those consoles first, and then like a year later came out on PC. Um, it seems like this is probably going to go in the same direction. Yeah. I, I, because suckers like me will buy that game twice. Um, <laughs> just because she's like, look how pretty it is now. Yeah. I'll just get my Xbox version. But yeah, you know, like more power to you. And like, it's there's so many people that want to play this on PC and it's kind of like one step closer to them getting the confirmation that they've been looking for for a while. And I think I, I can't imagine Rockstar won't do it. It's yeah. just that weird thing of like, I don't understand why they keep quiet about it, but they must have their reasons. There is way too pretty- much money on the table. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I'm surprised they haven't just announced it yet. Like, yeah. I mean, you- I guess, if, I guess if they don't and you buy it on two consoles, like, they're still laughing <laughs> yeah man they, they get to double dip like I, I know you're um i see you on steam quite a lot and, and all you need to do is look at the steam charts and every time steam does a sale like they've got one literally on at the moment gta is always in like top three. Oh yeah on, on pc like that game makes bank on there um including their like online stuff like that makes them a crap load of money i just don't see them not doing a PC version. It just doesn't make any sense for them to leave that. So yeah, it'll happen. I just feel like it's not going to be the same time as the other platforms. No, it'll be like two or three months later, I reckon. Four months. However long, however, however long it was with the GTA. No, yeah. less than that. That was a while. Yeah, I think it was like six months to a year, maybe. But a, sta- a staggered release for sure. Yeah. Um, cool. That's all the news I had. Is there anything you want to mention that you saw that you thought was exciting? Um... It's been such a crazy time post E3. I can't even think of what's happened anymore. I'm yeah. just kind of quickly trying to go through some news, but I don't see anything of note really that we haven't talked about already. I'm basically just trying to vamp as I go through some news. <laughs> That's uh, all right. Like, 
PUBG Corp dropped their uh, lawsuit against Epic Games, uh, yeah. and we don't know why. They haven't released a statement, neither has Epic. Um, PUBG, back in January, PUBG Corp, I should say, back in January, uh, filed a lawsuit in a South Korean court, um, basically alleging that Epic uh, had infringed copyright. And I guess kind of like the big story from that, even ahead of time, was, you know, PUBG's built in Epic's engine. Epic is was helping PUBG Corp to kind of refine it to improve the game. And then, you know, with Fortnite failing, Epic suddenly turned around and stuck in Battle Royale within Fortnite. Yeah. And that's doing great guns. So it, it's likely that there was so much backlash against PUBG Corp for taking out the lawsuit when it was finally kind of uh, when we found out about it in May. Uh, I think it probably is in PUBG Corp's best interest to have just dropped it because fans are fickle and they were getting a lot of flack about it. But yeah. maybe something else has happened. Maybe they, they had settled it. on something. Yeah. So, like, we'll find out either way, I'm, I'm sure, in, in due time. But for now, they're keeping quiet about it. The lawsuit's dropped. That's kind of the end of the story so far. So, yeah. That's it. Oh, and Sony's being a dick about crossplay. Um, Still. Even though, like, Psyonix has said that they could do it, like, with a flick of a switch uh, in Rocket League. And last September, you know, like, Epic accidentally, air quotes accidentally, flicked the switch and made it so crossplay was actually happening across Xbox and PlayStation 4. Mm. Uh, Sony's saying they're looking into possibilities. And Sean Layden said they're looking into the possibilities to make it... Um, worthwhile to Sony and to Sony's player base. So what they're still saying is we're still making more money than Nintendo and Xbox and why would we do this if we own the player base? Which is just shitty. I wish they'd just either say no and move on or just do it already. But that's my take on that. Yeah, that's fair enough. Hmm. Um, I think that's it. Oh, we didn't talk about some of the games we've been playing. <laughs> <laughs> after after all of that uh i don't know if you wanted to keep going or would you want to wrap up <laughs> uh i've only been playing i've been playing jurassic park uh jurassic evolution which is by frontier developments yeah uh they did zoo tycoon, not planet zoo coaster. tycoon. yeah it was zoo tycoon and planet coaster yeah. um and the game is basically those two games mushed together and with dinosaurs instead of animals hmm uh, it's pretty good. It's the the one big problem I have with it is that it from like simple tutorial to mind blowing crazy combinations of systems like all at once, and you basically just have to kind of trial and error and figure out how systems work. Yeah, until you understand it, and that just means like there's six islands that you play through, and you know like you get a five, a three, four, and five star rating, and you slowly unlock other islands. Um, but it really just means you just have to keep restarting the island you're stuck on until you kind of get you figure it what's out. required. And then, like, you finish the first island, which is pretty difficult to begin with. And then, like, it's the next island. There's crazy storms and all this breaks and these guys sabotage this and this happening. And it's so much stuff to juggle without really knowing how really of helping you, like, ease into the systems. Yeah. So it's good. And if you like Jurassic Park and you like that kind of, like, golden uh game like it's it's worth checking out and worth failing and worth kind of like slowly kind of getting to grips with but like it's it's a big slog so like you yeah. have to kind of be in the right mindset to do it as well but it's it's worth playing 
Yeah, it sounds like Planet Coaster was very similar, like super hardcore. Didn't really mm-hmm. explain much of the mechanics, but um, yeah, really detailed game. So yeah, uh, I'm keen to check it sure. out. Yeah. What have you been playing? Uh, the Crew 2. Played a bit of that. That's coming oh, out yeah. tomorrow officially. It's technically out now if you have the gold edition. Yeah, it comes to everybody else. Yeah. Tomorrow. Um, so I previewed this uh, a little while back, um, which is on Survivor if you want to read that. Um, but anyway, I've been playing a bit of the, the proper game. Um, I'm digging it for the most part. I, I think it's got um, some things that I really like about it, like the whole notion of... Um, all these different types of vehicles that you can kind of get into and, and drive around in or, or, or pilot. There's, um, there's like planes, uh, motorbikes, monster trucks, uh, uh, speedboats, uh, powerboats, um, uh, supercars, touring cars, rally cars. Um, I said planes, right? Yeah, there's different types of planes. There's like yeah. two. Anyway, <laughs> there's, there's like a ton of different things you can drive in there. And there's like drifting, uh, drag racing, um uh so they're like the kind of variants on the streetcar racing so there's like a lot of different things you can go in there and do um the game is you know it looks pretty um it's not as pretty as games like um horizon forza horizon it doesn't come close to that it only runs in like 30 frames per second on consoles even though um it's on like uh, i'm playing on xbox one x i think pc seems like it's pretty uncapped from what i've heard um, but that's yeah, that's what you get, I guess. The um, the like the the notion is they've kind of got this America and it's all set up, um, kind of similar to I guess the way that Forza games are, like or well, Forza Horizon Three, like here is Australia and it's like a condensed version of it, super similar. Um, but yeah, there's just all this stuff going on in this world, and uh, the the thing that I am not sure about yet is I've played a decent amount of it the last like two nights um and i haven't really done like the all right drive from here to here type thing it's been pretty basic circuit stuff um like sort of self-contained all right now you're driving around new york or um here's a an area in the desert you're sort of doing laps in it's, it hasn't really done a all right drive from san francisco to la nothing like that um, yeah, which is weird because I thought it was going to be quite a bit of that sort of thing. Um, considering it's telling me I've done like 70% of the street race section so far, it's a um, oh. bit strange. Anyway, because I'd like to see some, you know, that sort of thing, sort of like a, oh, going from one environment to the other and whatnot. Um, <clears throat> anyway, um, but I've got a lot of gripes about... Oh, wait, sorry. The other thing I'll add is that I really like is a fast travel system. Super quick. You can basically go from one side of the map to the other and it's it loads within maybe two seconds. Uh, the oh, moment nice. that, that you like... Um, all right, I'm in New York and I want to go zoom out in the map. It does like this Google Earth type effect. You can go right up to the, the top of the map and see an overall picture of the USA or you can just go all the way and zoom into like a fucking blade of grass um, and it's really quick. Um, and uh, if you're like, all right, I'm going to go from this side of the map to this other side and I'm going to start this other event, pretty much as soon as you hit travel, it within about two seconds, it takes you there pretty quickly. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty happy about that part of the game. Uh, there's things in it I don't like. Um, for it being a racing game, like <laughs> it needs to nail the racing quite well. 
And it just feels like there's too much of a catch-up system going on, like the rubber band effect, um, you know, your Mario Kart type stuff. It, it, I, get, I get this feeling where I'll be behind in a race and I'll be maybe, I don't know, three seconds behind, four seconds behind, and I'll go flying past something. Maybe I've hit a tree or something like that. And um, I'll go past all the cars in front of me and I'll fly past them. And then as soon as I get past them, they're maybe a second behind me and they're always on my tail. Like, it never feels like I'm making any progress, um, no matter how, like, quickly I feel like I'm driving. And, yeah, I don't like those types of systems in racing games. I like, like, feeling like I'm being rewarded for racing really well um, and, and, you know, making more and more distance from these other cars. And it just doesn't seem like that opportunity is there too much. Um, it or even if I fuck up the same thing, right? If I hit hit something that I shouldn't hit, and suddenly I'm in fifth place, it shouldn't feel like the other cars in front of me are now slowing down so that I can catch up and do better. Um, and that's kind of the way I'm feeling about this system. I'm, I'm not really a fan of it, um, which is a bit shit. The um, I'm having a bit of trouble sort of getting an idea of what the race course sort of looks like when I'm playing this game, like the circuit of where I should be going. It's it's really hard to sort of get a grasp of all right i'm supposed to turn around this corner and go left or or go right and then from the when i take a right then it's another sharp left and it goes through this alley it just doesn't do a good job of visualizing like where i should be driving to um the mini map has the gray roads and uh the outline of showing you where you should be driving is a light blue and it's really hard to distinguish like what road you're on and where you should be going um and adding on top of that that was the weird thing about the sorry that was the weird thing about the first crew like it had the guide along the top of like in the like not in the atmosphere but like in the air and like trying to map that to the road was really difficult and it's weird that they've like sort of fixed it but haven't (laughs) so forza horizon does a similar thing but it's it's a really dark blue and it stands out you can see where you're going but it's on the ground it's not up in the air as well Mm -hmm. but this one's on the ground now no no no? so you're talking about like racing lines um so the the racing the all the driving lines that's something forza does or or gran turismo um where it's like all right you should be following this line here this is the best place you should be driving and this is where you should be braking and you know these are the corners you should be taking doesn't have a racing line um it just shows you on the mini map the the direction the the course yeah but it only shows you as well like the next checkpoint and a little bit past that so it's it's only it's really hard to see where you're going and and it's a really light color so it, it's hard to distinguish between the other roads you're on so I, I feel like i spent a lot of time just looking at the map as opposed to in front of me um yeah which is a bit shit and i hope i hope they fix that at some stage um but also the indicators on the road it, it makes it really hard like um visualizing the the giant signs like those giant yellow and black signs that say like you should be turning right here um for whatever reason i just it seems like by the time i get close enough to those signs it's too late like i should have been braking already um and i don't really know which way i should be turning uh the the signs in like forts are really big and they're they're easy to to see um whereas these ones are a bit smaller sometimes they're different colors sometimes they're yellow and black sometimes they're blue and white um, I feel like the blue and white ones I'm having a lot of trouble seeing from distance because the pixelation, it kind of just looks like a straight line sometimes. Um, oh, yeah. So that's a bit a bit crap. Um, 
The other thing is, yeah, you mentioned that already. There's no racing line, so that makes it a bit harder. Um, the thing I really liked about the preview uh, was they had this like inception moment where the world like folds onto itself as you're transitioning between different vehicles. Um, so like you start the race off in a car and then you get into a, a boat and then from the boat you go to a plane and it's this sick moment where when you go from one vehicle to the other yeah it does this like the world is folding um, and then it kind of flattens back out again and it looks really cool you, you'll see it on the trailers um, that they do this and it literally doesn't happen again during that fo- like ever again that I've seen it only happens in the opening race and I was super disappointed by that because it's such a cool effect but and that's it that's the only time you ever see it um, right. and it was something I was really excited to see a bit more of but it just not they just did it for that opening race it looks like uh, so that's kind of crap and the last thing I'll, I'll um, point out that I'm not a fan of so far is it's really slow to sort of reset your car um, so if you hit a wall or anything in the environment and you want to get back on track it takes about three seconds for it to happen you've got to hold down your two um, bumper buttons and then it'll reset the car and put you back in motion um, I think about I think the timing is way too slow at the moment um, but thankfully because of the catch up system you can get back into the race quite quickly but yeah it's still slow um, whereas like in Forza you just hit the button and you instantly reverse it's so it's so intuitive that way um so yeah, like some of my that's just some of my complaints about it so far. But otherwise, I'm enjoying playing it. It's there's a lot of content in there. Um, I'm just sort of nitpicking at bits and pieces. I, I still I don't think it's going to be the best racing game this year. Um, I had high hopes that it'd, it'd sort of compete alongside um, games like Forza, but yeah, it's it doesn't seem like it's going to do that at all. So yeah, you haven't had a chance oh, to play it yet at all. No, and no. I like started. I literally just turned on prey uh moon moon crash crash, yeah that'll do something moon praise moon and like i really like prey i'm super into prey um but this is like a a roguelike kind of add-on to prey where like you're encouraged to die and you get to keep the items from your death and you know like bring them into your next life and learn how to play better and have more tools to play better but like i i've I died once and like you you're clearly set up to die when you first spawn in because then you get like a gun and stuff but like the loading times are so bad Uh. I can't imagine a prey game encouraging you to die and then just like taking a full minute and a half two minutes for you to like come back into the game and like I just was not in the mindset for it I'm like I can't I can't sit here and wait for this to load I'm just gonna play something else yeah that's what I'm hoping the next consoles have SSDs in them well it's like this the the low times in prey were pretty bad to begin with Mm. like compared to most games like any in general but like it's just so bad and this in this mode is like it's they're it's telling you like we're gonna kill you a lot you'll learn from this but like i just i want if i want to be killed and learn from it like games that do that to you do like i want pretty quick loading times so like learning from my mistakes not getting bored and going and getting like a sandwich while i'm waiting for this game to eventually pop up so uh i don't i don't know what to do with it i'm kind of like i like i'm excited for it i really like prey and i really really want people to play prey so we get like more prey (laughs) a prey a prey two not the prey two that people um 
but like I just I don't know if I can get behind this one. It's gonna be that and like I just I, I'm not patient enough to have this work out. I guess, but we'll find out. Yeah. Cool. Um, that's it. I think. All right. Should we wrap it up then? Sounds good to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, if you want to find this show, you can find it on iTunes, Android, Windows Store. Uh, if you rate and review us, it helps other people find the show, which is muchly appreciated. Uh, if you want to send us questions, you can email us at gapodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find us on social media, facebook.com slash gapodcast, twitter.com slash gapodcast, or you can also go to uh, thegapodcast.com slash discord for our discord page. You can jump in, uh, leave us questions or play games on there. Um, we've got a, a Fortnite channel now because Job's in a Fortnite. He can't play PUBG anymore. So that's what he's playing these days. And um, yeah, and that's uh, all the links to the things we just talked about is on our, our website, thegapodcast.com. And that's all thanks to our Patreon subscribers you want to help support the show you go to patreon.com slash ga podcast and we appreciate that everyone does it every month um steve you got anything you want to pimp this week just divider.com there's so much e3 stuff from me and from you basically going up there that like i don't even know schedule i don't know how it's going up or when it's going up but there's a lot going up so uh check it out uh i'm almost done i'm like super proud i'm almost through my ubisoft content so that means i can start (laughs) like focusing on everything else that i saw at e3 so yeah. there's still tons of stuff to go up and it'll come out in the next couple months so there's something for everyone yeah so i had I... some uh finished off my rage stuff last week um we had miyazaki interviews go up last week i think it was like four pieces maybe five i think you split yeah, them up tons. Some. um and well, there's just so much stuff like there's no point in just like throwing it all together because it's gonna people are gonna miss it so and it was good stuff. Good job, dude. Yeah. Uh, and Spider-Man. You can go read about that as well. That's up there. Um, and this week, I've got uh, Just Cause 4 stuff. And uh, I think it was Strange Brigade, the other thing I was working on. Um, nice. Yeah, so we should see some of that going up soon as well. Uh, Survivor.com. That's a website right there. It is. It's a good website. You should check it out. Yeah. Probably already have if you're listening to this, to be honest. But hey, thanks of course. for doing that. We appreciate it. Awesome. Uh, do you want to pimp any social media stuff for you? Uh, Survivor at everything is the website, and I'm S Wright. Uh, what am I? S Wright AU for Australia because I gave Survivor to the brand. <laughs> you gave in. I gave to the brand. There we go. It's all about identity now, Luke. Follow me. I talk about my cats and hockey and my husband, and that's like generally it. But it's oh. quality content. All right. Thanks, man, for coming on. It's been good having you these last two weeks. It's been fun. Yeah. There was a lot of games. I'm better than Nate anyway. Don't tell Nate. Nate's not going to listen to this, is he? That's awkward. Too late. He sometimes does. (laughs) (laughs) He knows I love him and I'm kidding. Yeah. I was super excited because I thought Nate was going to be here. I only only came back for Nate, so. Well, he was, he had um, something on and we were supposed to start recording at eight and that fell through for him. And then he was like, oh, is Steve coming on? Maybe I shouldn't come because it'll go for an extra three hours. Oh, all the nice stuff I said about Nate, I take back. Jeez. No, no, because... Because uh, we both talk too much? Yeah, because... Uh, no, no, because he talks a lot. Oh. Yeah. I talk a lot, too. No, we're fine. But, we're hey, we're good. Not yeah, have man. fun. I'll, I'll come back anytime you want. Yeah, man. Um, well, there's, like, a lull at the moment, so... Maybe, maybe we'll um we'll, we'll see. 
there's like nothing <laughs> coming out right it's all indie games i feel like from now on for the next month i think you're i think you're right yeah um I won't take a, a non-invitation personal of that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Cool. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks again. Thanks, everyone, for listening. No uh, we'll be back next week. Job's, Job should be here. So more Job story time. Boom. See you. Bye, guys.